Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another, what I anticipate to be, oversized edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Because, folks, we, we just keep getting bigger here in the bandwagon. And we're always joined by, by Mr. David Ungar. David, how you doing? I, I like all these uh, size sort of uh things you're throwing out especially off the tales of last week's episode with the one-eyed monster you know at, after the sausage fest edition of bandwagon nerds i feel like we should just talk about how everything's better when it's bigger size and does so that size matters size does matter and size is going to matter today I, I feel like this is no longer a special guest on the show I feel like this is might as well just call him host number three at this point. So let's bring him in as well. Welcome back once again, Mr. PC Tunney. How you doing out there in Wisconsin? Doing wonderful. I had a chance to get out and about today. Went and took some batting practice, uh, socially distanced. Yeah, you know, so good to go. No, no cheese, no porn. So you know, Milwaukee's so. best. Stay at home, host. Yeah, so why don't you pick? Listen, there's two Wisconsinites on this program right now. DP, you have anything to say to this Illini bastard over here? Just because we're living in, uh, you know, the better town and, you know, the bears still suck and, you know. I can give you some advice. I mean, being, from the flat, being from the Flatlands of Illinois, though, watch out for that hill up over there, Yadir Hay. Hey, there is one, uh, at, at least in where I, I did. I did grow up in the Flatlands of Illinois. You get down south, you get down towards St. Louis in that area the, where the glacier stopped. That's where, that's where the hills and the mountains are. So, anyway, Tunny... I'm going I'm to let you make the big reveal because you promised us a, a surprise going into today's show. And uh, it was a pleasant surprise, a very exciting surprise. But why don't you let all the listeners in on what we've got today as a special guest. Here. The special surprise here is my main man from across the pond, the one and only Ken Akilla making his bandwagon nerds debut. I know we had uh, recently just done a big wrestling podcast, most of us together. And when Kenny heard about the show, he, he told me he would love to be on it. So I shout him out this week and said, what's going on, man? He's like, yeah, arcade games. I'm in. I've seen Lock and Key. Let's rock and roll. So the one and only, Kenny Killer. How's it going, boys? It's your one man with half an Instagram, Kenny Killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, back again, back again on another podcast. As you know, I'm always around, always about. So, uh, yeah, just happy to be on with you guys and, uh, you know, fellow geek and all. So uh, yeah, let's get let's get it on, man. I will oh, say, Patrick, to have you. Patrick, you had mentioned having you know some different voices on. You mentioned having females on, but you know if we can't have the girls on, having Kenny Killer with that tremendous British accent that counts for a lot. <laughs> now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this now means that we've had two of the voices of our of our ads on on the show now, right? Is that yeah. correct? Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, because we just need Amber because yeah, we gotta get we gotta get Amber, and then we will have, we will have done the trifecta when it comes to the voices of the Chairshot Radio, the celebrities of Chairshot Radio. Um, but yeah, you you guys mentioned it. We have a we have a lot to talk about today. We've got episode five of Lock and Key. We're gonna do a rundown on that. I uh, want to talk about some news. We've had some more updates per, from Disney uh, regarding release dates and some significant impacts that that's going to have on the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and just on, on film releases in general and kind of get our reactions to that. I, I think, Dave, your reaction to that particular news bite was the best. Then 
we'll continue talking about the good before we go to the arcade. I've titled today's episode A Fistful of Quarters because we're going to talk and we're going to run down our top 10, each of us, our top 10 arcade games of all time. And now I've got to update the, uh, actually, as we talk about this, I should update the rundown to add Kitty Killer. Done. So let's just dive right in. We're going to do what we've always done. We're going to start with Lock and Key Episode 5. And I got to tell you, fellas, this is the first episode where I've been legitimately, legitimately angry at a character. Hated, <laughs> hated, hated Kinsey in this episode. Hated her so, so, so much as she went full on. I'm going to be stupid because I'm not afraid of anything and make all the terrible decisions that I can. Uh, and I just, I didn't, I did not like it. I did not like it. I was also, you know, our first significant death since the opening episode happened today or happened on this week's episode as well uh, with the death of the, the principal. And we're getting closer and closer to those ramped up seven, eight, nine episodes that Tony keeps talking about. So those are kind of my, my initial thoughts. Uh, I said that fear burying fear was going to have ramifications. I think we started to see it today, uh, but I still don't think we're quite done with that yet. So with that, I will open this up to the floor. Feel free gentlemen. Well, I know Tony likes to hear us talk about it first since the other guys have, you know, Kenny and Tony have watched the whole series. DP, I don't even know if he started it. So, you know. Did you try? I'm over. I'm over right now. <laughs> and now we have a new Rick for the show. It is oh, the new wow. Bandwagoner is on the show. I'll try to make this my only rant. And if Rick listens to this, I hope he does. But Rick, don't be so goddamn lazy just to ask me. He, he goes into the fucking. Okay. The direct message feed that we have for this show, Rick is in there and he comes in and he goes, who won last night? So I send him the results. He goes, well, what's happening tonight? So I send him the other thing. You already opened up fucking Twitter, motherfucker. Just open up a goddamn fucking browser and look it up yourself. Stop being so goddamn lazy, Rick. Fucking uh, my, a, good thing. My, my good favorite, thing I got another fucking beer right here. Right. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> thing about the uh, about Rick on the show and the feed, by the way, is when I do the roll call to be like, okay, who's going to be on the show? And usually I get two responses. I get I get Tony and Dave, and then I invite everybody else. Uh, I I added DP uh, to the to the to the chat so he can actually chime in now. But Rick, every time, what time is the show? What time are you guys recording? <laughs> As if we don't record at the same goddamn time every fucking week. It is Sunday when we record this show at two p.m. Every time. Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. No, uh, that's right. You. So uh, anyway, back to okay, locking. Back to key. locking. Uh, my thoughts were, I, I don't want to add a lot that you just added, Patrick, because I agree with all that stuff. I mean, Kinsey, kind of an asshole in this, in this uh, episode, you know, to put it lightly, but the greatest kind thing. Of. About, yeah, kind of. The greatest thing about this is I, I, I can't remember actually feeling like being watching a series and you could actually tangibly feel it shift from lighthearted and kind of, oh, they're just some childish pranks to, oh, shit, this got really dark really fast in like a span of 20 minutes. And like Tunny was saying, right. listening, listening back to the last episode where Tunny was talking about how episode four was about to turn the corner. I feel like episode five just fucking cut the corner and, and knocked it all down. And it really seems like they're going to go in a dark direction. You've got the principal who gets killed with a bag over his face. You've got... 
who's it? Ellie? Is that the girl who's underneath the foundations of the house? You don't yeah, know. Did the, she, the swerve. Yeah. Did she do it? Or was it, uh, you know, the well lady who did this whole thing? Um, I don't know, I, but it, it's, 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 it just keeps getting better. Like I told Tony, I just texted him in the, in the chat room, like lock and fucking key, man. Lock. He's been telling us that the whole time. It just keeps getting better. Well, and and now we have the whole teardrop tattoo thing or um, scar. Sorry, not a tattoo, but the scar. And clearly something was done amongst them. The kids learning, uh, finding the memories of uh, their uncle, right? Yeah. Not not dad, Duncan. their uncle. Yeah, Duncan. And, and seeing what was transpiring amongst the kids and that he, they were fucking killing each other or something. So clearly yeah this took a dark turn in a hurry when they started going through those memories and even the memories it was like oh look how great this is oh look how great this is holy shit what the fuck right. uh is, is really kind right. of the direction it took and so the family's past is coming yeah this 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 episode was interesting very interesting like you said it took a seismic shift i mean when you look at how everyone just started to turn hill but every kind of situation started to started to move you know um you're looking at you're looking at Ellie differently. You know, you're looking at Kenzie differently. Now you're looking at Randall differently. It's just all, all a massive change. But then when you see the changes, it also leaves a lot of questions that need to be answered. And that's the best thing about it. You're halfway through or kind of halfway through and you're starting to think, okay, I need answers to these questions now. And it just pushes you on to watch more and more. Um, yeah, follow what you guys said, Kenzie. What an asshole. I just thought, what are you doing? <laughs> really? You know, the fear was one thing, but now... Right. And, and I guess, but here's the thing is like, I was mad at her, but I get it because it's one of the, like her behavior with regards to, and I don't know what they call the key, the music box key where you can control people's actions. A part of that resonates with anybody who's ever been bullied, anybody that's ever been put through something by, by someone else that, that having that ability for a teenager too. And that's the thing that I had to remind myself, like I was angry with her and then I'm like, but this is a teenager who suddenly has found this confidence, is not afraid of anything, and probably behaved. If if there's anything that that I have learned out of all of this, like isolation, you know, quarantines, lockdowns, whatever you want to call it, or stay-at-home orders, as we call it here in Massachusetts, is that you start to see that people can kind of be the worst as much as they can be the best. And I think that this is very much something where she played to the lowest common denominator in a way that I believe that a teenager like it was believable to me that a teenager would behave that way. And that a couple of them would do that. Now I think that there's consequences and ramifications for that. Uh, and again, I don't think fear stays buried. I don't think we're done. I think it's got to come back and you got to face that at some point. So we'll see. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a season one thing. Maybe it's a season two. I don't know, but I still think that there's consequences down the road for Kinsey that we haven't seen yet. I'm not, DP, I'm not saying this for you. I'm saying this for anybody who's listening to the show that hasn't watched this. I feel like DP is going to watch this through listening to us talk about it. Um, but I want to champion the show in a little bit different way because we're pretty much putting over the storyline here and the arc of the story, which is which is really excellent what they're doing. And I'm still looking forward to next season. But I want to bring attention and applaud the acting of the actors that they got for oh, yeah. this series because it's been phenomenal. These are some younger younger actors too doing a phenomenal job very believable you don't even think about it really because they do such a great job of per, uh, portraying the turns and the twists and the emotions that they're they're kind of cultivating and displaying to people it's really point on yeah oh absolutely yeah great great casting i mean casting is is key 
And we've talked about it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What did they get right? Casting. What did the DC Universe do wrong? Eh. Some of it's casting. Some of it's just shitty writing, which sounds like WWE. Oh, God, here we go. Here's a a (laughs) tie-in. No, just kidding. See, this is... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Kenny. I was just going to say, you know, I definitely have to echo what you said, Dave, Um, especially with that... uh, the younger brother what an mvp so far tyler like literally the younger brother yeah yeah he's yeah i really really like um you know his his acting and um you know you see a lot of child stars and things like that oh Bodie, you have a feeling that you, yeah you're Bodie. gonna see more of him Bodie, he's great i mean because you really only saw a glimpse of what he could do in it you know and even that was really damn good and now you get to see just how talented this kid really is. I mean, he's gonna he's got a really bright future in front of him because he's he's like you're saying, Kenny, he's fantastic. The older brother is too. Yeah, seeing him kind of take on a, the older brother, Tyler, taking on a level of responsibility, trying to kind of hold everybody together in check. And he even and again, just a very real moment when he's talking to his love interest about this sense of responsibility and how he doesn't feel like he's up for it. And there's a lot of self doubt and a lot of struggle there for him is again, I think it's a very real thing. And I think that for as fantastical as this show is, you're, I still think it all goes back to a family trying to heal itself in the wake of grief and tragedy in the, in the wake of their father's death And, and mom trying to hold things together while at the same time learning about her husband and and his past and the kids doing it in the same way and trying to come with, come to terms with this. It's, it's very well done. I do. I agree with you 100% Tony. The acting is, is terrific in this. And so as we, as we, as as we've said, turn the corners, we're starting to head towards the end of season one, start on episode six tomorrow, uh, next week which is hard now. Like I wanted to jump into the next episode right away. You know, I watched it this morning (laughs) and still trying to keep myself in a place where I'm kind of reacting to it episode to episode on on the podcast so that it, it doesn't kind of color what, uh, what I'm talking about in the episode we're covering. So it's been tough and wanting to keep going with it has been a challenge. And that speaks volumes to how good the show really is. It's felt like the most bingeable show. Yeah, you could really That's, just go nuts on this. I watched it. I basically, when I watched it, I watched it ten straight episodes. Nice, and especially now Stop. since we're all locked down. I mean, it's like you know, really resisting the urge to just say, "Well, fuck it, let's just watch." Yeah, all well, whatever. now that we've gotten to the halfway point, I think maybe through the next week, I'll I'll watch the first six episodes and get back on track with you guys. So, oh, very nice, very cool. All right, so we're going to leave that there for Lock and Key right now. Continue to watch that show, folks. It's really, really great. Most of you probably already have because you're not as patient as us, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to jump in. There's There was a little bit of news that, that hit. Uh, I shared it out in the rundown. I think everybody got it except for Kenny because I didn't know you were going to be on the show. But it was just it. a – oh, did you get it? Awesome. Uh, but it was a reveal. Disney put out some news on Friday just – talking about some changes to movie dates and, and kind of how this is going to work. And the first thing that, I mean, it's basically a big pushback uh, on a lot of, on a lot of release dates. The, the first one that they noted, uh, noted was uh, Mulan, which I was actually really excited to go see the little O'Dowd wants to see this movie as well. And we, 
it was it was really kind of a, a kind of a sort of sad thing when that date came and went and knew that we couldn't go see it. They're trying to they're hoping for July 24th as a release date. We'll see if that actually happens. Ha 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 ha. And that was um, replacing the release date of the live action Jungle Cruise movie, which then got pushed back a year from 2020 to July 30th, 2021. And then what's generally what I would consider probably most relevant to this podcast is that they finally pushed back Black Widow and announced its theatrical premiere has now been pushed to November 6th, which then moved a bunch of other MCU films in turn. It pushed the Eternals back to a year from May 21st. So May 21st, 2021, the Doctor Strange uh, movie was originally supposed to be that date. It's now November 5th, 2021, which then changed the Thor movie to uh, February 28th, 2022. And it moved, oddly enough, Captain Marvel 2's release date to July 8th, 2022. So a lot to unpack there and no update for what's already been shifted God knows how many times in the years that it's been existence, the new mutants. Are we ever going to see new mutants? Like ever? And here's the thing is I want to see this movie. It looks interesting to me. I think they're going to do it like they've done the hunt and like they're doing invisible man. You're going to see it pop up on a streaming service for a $20 rental, that sort of thing. That'd be my guess. I mean, I don't, and and again, that's the thing about this $20 rental thing. That's a, that's a really tough sell for me. Because if I'm going to see a movie on my own, it's not 20 bucks. Now, if it's a movie that, because the little and old dad and I, that's our thing. We go to the movie theaters a lot. A $20 rental for a movie that both me and the little old dad want to see, 100% can get behind that very, very easily. Uh, these other ones, I'd wait. I'd wait on the new mutants. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't do that with Mulan, maybe like just release it like that, because especially for the kids and stuff. It's a perfect time right now to, to be able to sell it on one of that services for 20 bucks. Watch it with the kids at home. Right. Yeah, what, what do the movie theaters make more money on? Literally, that's what you have to look at. Like they right, really right. don't give a shit. They, they could uh, really give a shit about your family and being at home. Right. Like, seriously, it's like, right. how do we project forward and see what's happening? What do we give away? That's cheaper. The people that the guy who takes the date and they don't buy anything to eat because they already went out to eat or we keep the stuff for the theater where the family comes and you know, you're buying popcorn and soda and snack for the kid and everything else. And it's probably more of them. And you know, the prices are cut, but they probably hit the arcade at the theater as well. So look at you tying in the show. Look at that. Tie in, not a segue. I I think the big thing with Mulan is that they're banking so much on money from China that they don't want to make that streaming because they want to do a release in China. Like that was the whole concern about holding off on it in the first place. There was a a bunch of reports that came out when all of this stuff started happening and theaters were shutting down and people were being told to stay home about how much of a hit this would cause Disney because of that Chinese market for that specific movie. Uh, And so I do, I do understand that it's definitely about the dollars, the, uh, the cash in, in this case, I think that's going to be, I think that's the same thing with the MCU. That's a cash cow. And yes. you don't, and you don't make that money if you stream it. No. It's, it's funny when you mention, um, you know, Disney and all the movies that, you know, they're looking to um, push back and things like that. And it's, yeah, the effect that it has, but at the same time, it's kind of been a, um, 
uh, a funny period where the coronavirus has started, you know, happening now, just as Disney Plus comes out. Um, it's just come out over here in, in the UK. So um, literally, it's like a, a week old, I think. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to be purchasing it. Everyone's going to be at home. So a lot of people are going to be purchasing it where a lot of people may not have thought that they were going to, you know, they may, may be kind of questioning um and R. And now it's like it's it's a definite. It's the same with like the Amazon and the Fire Sticks. People were like, you know, um and R and whether to get something like that. And now it's like it's it's sold out, you know, because everyone's indoors. So it's a, it's an interesting time. Yeah, movies not coming up, but still there's probably going to be a massive um, kind of increase in terms of, um, you know, subscriptions for Disney Plus. So do we think this means anything for the MCU other than it is what it is? Not really. I mean, they're just pushing stuff back. I mean, hopefully the additional time gives them more time to like work on, you know, the script or if they want to tighten up a few things or figure out something else. But otherwise, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the only thing I could think is what if they're going to try and compress things down to get more of this stuff out there quicker to try and get back on the timeline. But really, you're looking at what a year delay for the most part, which isn't the end of the world, you know, that sort of right. thing. Hey, I think the other thing that, and, and Tony kind of hit on it, what's actually going to make them money and what do they have confidence would do well in a theater versus what do they have confidence that makes more sense to stream? Because one of the announcements that did come out was that Artemis Fowl, the Artemis Fowl movie they've been working on that they put out trailers for, it's going straight to streaming, uh, which I found very, very interesting that it's, going to land on Disney plus and just land on Disney plus. So are, they're taking the L I guess, in terms of that box office revenue to put it on streaming. I don't know. What does that tell us about this movie? Cause what, what it does to me is it concerns me that if they're willing to not make any money off this movie, do they have a lot of confidence in it or are they just trying to be nice? Well, look at, look at the, uh these movie studios and what they have coming up and what they had planned, just kind of like right. sidestepping here a little bit. Wouldn't you want to have something in the can that you can release whenever you want to, when people start going back to the theaters that you're not necessarily sure about, because once things open back up, people are going to go. It doesn't matter if it's fucking Titanic or, or if it, it's Norbit. Okay. People are going to monster too. <laughs> whatever yeah i mean people are going to go to the theater so wouldn't you do your more risky things right when things opened up right away knowing full well that people are going to go no matter what i i don't know I, I just there's a lot of different ways that they can approach this but it's all going to be monetarily that's that's going to be the bottom line i mean i would say like like a movie like artemis Fowl. it's kind of like i don't know if it's taken an l but they probably have uh, very tempered expectations and are like look Let's get what we can out of some of this stuff. The production costs are this. We're just going to take a bath if we don't get something out there. This isn't one of our high-profile movies. This isn't Black Widow. It's not Eternals. It's not, you know, on the other side of the fence, Wonder Woman 1984, something like that. Let's just get it out there and see what we can recoup. So, I, don't, I mean, I would, I would say to a certain extent, you're right, Patrick. It, it is a lack of confidence, maybe not so much in the movie, but just its drawing power. And they're like, well, you know, let's let's put it out there. Let's give this to same thing with Bloodshot. They knew people were like, you know, on the fence about it. Let's throw it out there and see what happens. And then my nephew commits blasphemy by saying it was better than uh, Winter Soldier this week. I was like, you fucking crazy or what? That's that's just the cabin fever talking. That's, that's <laughs> all that is. That's the cabin fever. I, 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 he's scared. I'm scared for him. I am, too. So 
Yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing. I think fans of the novels will will be excited to to be able to watch it without having to go to the theater to see it. And I, I feel like, you know, Disney of all the companies is really. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of trying to strike that balance between doing doing good for people that are at home, that knowing what where we are and what we're what we're up to, while still paying attention to their bottom line and their dollar. And you know, I think that we have to look at both sides of that coin in order to have kind of a nuanced look at it, but it is a good thing. And that's one of the things that I've kind of really wanted to make sure that we keep talking about this show. And what I'm going to segue into next is that, is that the good things continue to be happening in the, in terms of entertainment for folks while they're still here. And this one's probably just a me thing. So I'm going to share this article and just leave it for what it is, unless you all want to throw some judgment at me. But uh, theater nerds around the world, they get to rejoice. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber put out today, or not today, this week, uh, I think, again, on Friday, Thursday or Friday, that um, starting on April 10th, uh, he's got a, a there's a YouTube channel that is going to be putting out his musicals uh, free to stream for 48 hours on uh, on their channel. And as a, as a fan of Broadway and, a, and somebody who did musicals as a kid, having that opportunity to kind of share that with, with a little O'Dowd, um, something I did in high school and something that I still like today was, is very, very exciting to me. Uh, I plan on taking advantage of this. The channel is, uh, on YouTube. It's called the show must go on. And, uh, even Andrew Lloyd Webber and his announcement was very, very kind of funny about it. Cause he, he was tongue in cheek. He was like, they're I'm very pleased to announce they're going to be releasing all these musicals of mine. I'm particularly excited when they show my colossal flop by Jeeves. So he he even recognizes that some of his work is trash, which is okay because some of his work is trash, just like any artist. Every artist has trash out there. Uh, and so that was one that was very ex- exciting to me personally. The other thing that I thought that was really great uh, came out of HBO, and that is that HBO put a bunch of stuff available outside of their paywall on HBO.com including some really great series out there. Some not so great series as well, but for me, it's my opportunity to finally see the wire. I've heard so many people talk about the wire, but I've never seen it. And so I'm looking forward to checking it out, but they had other shows like true blood, Barry Silicon Valley, um, a bunch of stuff out there, tons of movies. Um, Veep is going, VP is going to be out there. Some good stuff. Silicon Valley and Veep are really, really good if you're looking for a comedy. When you said not so good stuff, I thought maybe they were going to have like John from Cincinnati on there or something like that, which followed The Sopranos on HBO just for a little right. reference there. Kenny, I, w- I want to hear what we may not be talking about that's kind of specific more to you over there in the UK. What's specific to you has been not available and, and what's kind of been available over there? Give us a little glimpse into that. Um, so over here, I mean, most stuff is available. I mean, obviously, when you're looking at things like TV over here and everyone's kind of running reruns, I mean, we've got terrestrial TV, which means that when you buy your television and you plug in your, your cable, um, you get, you know, five standard channels or sorry, you get, um, probably about, uh, 60, sorry, um, standard channels already built into your TV. So those, you know, kind of channels they're kind of rerunning stuff um a lot of programs have stopped filming um for this time being so you know those 
you know, over here in the UK, we have our soaps, you know, and some of the main people love soaps, you know, I'm not going to lie, I do too. So, um, you know, and they've kind of started showing, uh, you know, they usually show them every day and now they show them um, only, I think, twice a week, which means that they're trying to save, you know, some of those episodes, um, <laughs> <laughs> like online, uh, online stuff. Um, you know, I think um, our, our Netflix over here, I don't know how different it is, it is to you guys over there, but, you know, they're starting to um, push out some stuff a bit more earlier, um, which is kind of cool. Um, some of the shows that are that come out once a week are being, you know, are kind of being put out altogether. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just it's interesting times, man. It's, it's interesting times. Um, it's just put everything at a standstill, you know, it's just put everything at, at a standstill for us over or around the world, really. There are two things I know that are happening over the UK in terms of entertainment that aren't happening over here that I think are kind of cool. One is that Netflix UK is going to be streaming, if you're into anime, all 24 Studio Ghibli movies uh, yes. are, are, are now available on Netflix UK and are not available in the United States because of some sort of contractual thing. So we don't get them, but the UK has them. I didn't know that. Well, my daughter was watching uh, um, House on Moving Castle today. So, yep. um, yeah, that's I, I'm, me and my, my wife are massive anime fans. Like, I'm more so, and I got her into it, but massive anime fans. So um, that's, you know, that's good to know. Um, I did see it pop up um, the other day. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely good to know. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's mad, though, how, you know, Country, different countries get benefits to different things when it comes to sure. streaming service, services, you know, when, especially when you're going through things like this, you should just really, everyone should, you know, kind of get the same benefits really, but hey, oh, it is the way it is. <laughs> it is what it is. The other thing that I've seen that I don't know if it's available in the United States, but I know it exists. It's a different streaming service, one I haven't heard of, um, but all, uh, every salvageable episode of Doctor Who is being made available uh, but I got to find more information. I got to find that link again. But I saw that the other day too. Uh, a show that I remember watching here in this, you know, here over here in the United States on PBS. It used to play on PBS all the time, like the old ones. Um, and and it's just a, it's a fun thing. It's a very interesting thing to see what gets made available when when <laughs> when there's nothing else to do. Yeah, uh, Doctor. So, Doctor. So, we've got another streaming service over here called BritBox, which is just yeah. literally a uh, yeah, all British television. Um, you know, you got your like I was mentioning before, um, before Freeview, which is um, the the kind of main uh, TV over here. When you like I said, when you plug in your your, your new TV, you get sixty channels, sixty to seventy channels. Before that. It was just five. We just had five channels. So all of those, you know, kind of terrestrial kind of TV shows are all on uh, BritBox, which is, uh, you know, Doctor Who is definitely one of them. Um, I d it still carries a massive fan base over here. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, kids and stuff are still into it because obviously they've modernized it and uh, it's got a, a lot of nostalgia still in it. So uh, and the current Doctor is a woman, which is cool. So, yeah. That is true. So... Dave asked if we were going to talk about it. I decided to save it for good stuff, um, but let's let's get it done. The WWE did put out a two has put out part one of a two part WrestleMania. I'm assuming everybody in this in this Skype space has watched part one. Am I am I accurate in this assessment? You are accurate. All right. Play, thoughts. What did people think of night one? 
going into night two. This is your, the floor is yours. Actually, DP, you haven't spoken in like the show. So why don't you start? <laughs> yeah, That's no problem. Cool. I'll start. No, I'm just... <laughs> um, I saw, you know, <clears throat> my personal thoughts when I've been watching it was I actually did not like it at all. <laughs> I was surprised. I, I just, well, I don't know. I don't know. Something, maybe it was just the mood I was in, but watching the matches, some of the matches were okay. I, I noticed a handful of times where it looked like some good, you know, camera work and a good pause, you know, time when they, it looks like they switched some things around. I just, I wasn't a fan of the way they were doing it. I, I thought, you know, it'd be a little more interesting being able to watch just the matches, but having no crowd there definitely hurts. And it just like kind of like Dave was saying with a few of the last podcasts we've been on, it just it doesn't feel like it should be a WrestleMania. It felt more like a different type of show. And I get it. And I know a lot of people were praising the Boneyard match a bit, but it felt like I was just watching. It wasn't a WrestleMania match. I was watching a movie. You know, I was watching a show. And that's, you know, take that for what it was, I guess. You know, as far as if it was just a show, it was pretty cool. But but as far as wrestling went, it was kind of Shitty, it's my, my opinion. Wow, thank you, Debbie Downer. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me ask Dan this. If it wasn't called WrestleMania, would you have a different opinion on it? Probably. Yeah. And, I and think he, I would. I think it'd be a little different because it just, I don't know, just the whole. Yeah, here's my thing. Yeah. My, my take on it is this is not WrestleMania. I don't give a shit what they call it. This is not WrestleMania. They can call it that. But if you judge it for what it was. And, and 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 this show standing on its own, you strip away the WrestleMania moniker. This was an excellent show because you look at the like the main roster talent who I think we all have forgotten just how good they really are because it's so much smoke and mirrors and so much bullshit. But you got to see just what guys like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens can do when there's none of that crap involved. And it's just them performing. And that was great. The Boneyard match was some of the best stuff I think WWE has done in years. I mean, just, I love what they did with this thing. The cinema, Patrick doesn't like it, but that's, but you know, Patrick's wrong. So that's just all there is to it. And, uh, <laughs> really old man, you going to start this. Yeah, of course I am because I, 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 right. I want to hear what, what your retort is going to be to this, but I, I love the show for what it was. Like, I know Patrick had made the thing that for what it was, it was fine. It was really good. It's just not WrestleMania. That's, that's the only thing. If you go into thinking, okay, yeah, this is WrestleMania. No, it's not. But for what it was, under the circumstances, I thought they delivered and then some. Uh, I'm going to go last. Tony, you going to go? Yeah, sure. You can follow me at PC Tony, and you can listen to me this coming week on <laughs> Pod is War and at DWI Podcast, because there ain't enough motherfucking time in this day right here, right now, for me yeah, to got- directly convey exactly what happened to the four of you last night. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you, okay. don't even, you haven't uh, even I'll, heard my opinion yet, man. I'll, it I'll doesn't go. matter. It's wrong. It's not my opinion. Okay, <laughs> I'll, <go. laughs> I'll go. I'll go next. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. Now the suit, the, the moment, the moment we knew that it was going to be no crowd, I took WrestleMania out of it. You know, I didn't. I went to WrestleMania last year for the first time. That was the top of my bucket list. I went for the first time, the best time, one of the best times of my life. So, I the moment we knew there was going to be no one there, I took WrestleMania out of it. I knew this wasn't going to be WrestleMania. But literally, like, I was pleasantly surprised. I was going in with no expectations. I thought this was going to be a shit show. Um, I think, the you know, they could have been more creative going into it with having no crowd there. 
But watching it uh, yesterday and just thinking, okay, like there's actually no crowd there, and there was points apart from the um, apart from the Elias and Corbin match, I didn't even realize there was no crowd there. Like I was really invested in 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 the matches and what was going on. Um, th- th- to start out with, Kyrie and and Asuka has been amazing for this whole time. Like literally, she's just got better and better and better. Um, within this situation and I just felt that they had a really good tag match the, the tag ladder match was just like I really liked it without the crowd so just imagine what it would have been like with the crowd like yeah. for me that was one of the matches of the night and then the end with the boneyard the cinematography of that thing like Jeremy Borash has to be all over that he has to be all over that and I just thought it was so different yes it wasn't your typical wrestling thing but dude that, that match just put another five years on Taker because if, it, if Taker can do those matches like that may fair enough you know what i mean because i don't really want to see taker actually wrestling again i don't want to see him wrestling again but i would i would watch him doing that again 100 so um i definitely have to give it a thumbs up for what it was and it gives me some kind of interest for um tonight all right so i i kind of land somewhere in the middle uh i do think this was good for what it was i uh, i disagree with you dave they're calling it WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania. Whether you think it's not WrestleMania because you want the big arena and the crowd and what it is, the WWE has called it that. They're decorating the Performance Center with a set that says WrestleMania. So fuck you. It's WrestleMania. Do you That's consider what it, it WrestleMania? Yes, because they're calling it as such. Okay. I don't think so it, if feel, they tell I don't think you, it if feels. If they told you the sky was red because they said so, you'd say, yeah, the sky's red. No, because the, hey, the sky isn't their intellectual property, Dave. Dave. What, WrestleMania Dave. is their intellectual property. What, You're a lawyer. Uh, you know this shit. What number WrestleMania was last year? 35. What number WrestleMania will next year be? 37. That's the end of this argument. <laughs> it's... Yes. Thank you, Tony. I rest, anyway, I rest anyway, my case. I rest my case, Your Honor. Tony, you had your moment, uh, and um, Dave, you've had your moment. I'm gonna speak, and then we go into commercial break so that we can talk video games. Anyway, so I I think that this was there were some really great matches. I loved Owens and Rollins. I thought that was the match of the night for me. I thought that they really brought it. I thought that kind of what Kenny was saying. I forgot about no crowd. During that match, I felt like they did a great job of pulling me out of what was an empty arena. I think that having the event, uh, my opinions notwithstanding, I think in the end, achieved a little bit of what they were trying to do. I think that some of the responses are a little hyperbolic and a response to it's kind of I'm going to use my phantom menace argument. When people went and saw the phantom menace in the theater they were all like, we love this. This is so great. Star Wars is back. And like four years later, they're like, this movie wasn't so good. I think this, this I think this is an okay show. I think that there was some good. I think there was some not so good. Uh, I did not particularly care for the Boneyard match. Uh, then again, I, I'm amongst the crowd that, um, oddly enough, even though I don't really care for AEW, um, don't love gay spooky Undertaker with the magic and the teleporting and the fire. Like, I, I just don't. It's never been my thing. It's okay, Dave. It's okay. You can, no, I'm you, just saying you, they, but that wasn't, I mean, he was like an amalgamation of American badass sure. mystical undertaker last night, but he also teleported his ass out of a grave, he did. set a building on fire yes. and drove off to Metallica playing in the air. He did. So anyway, they I'm not saying Metallica. you can't love it. 
They had me at Metallica. Yeah, they, they had me at Metallica <laughs> when you was... drove up. I was like, <laughs> like I'm like, yo. That's another beer. I will say this: the cynic in me, every time AJ's like begging, please not, please don't bury me, please don't bury me. I'm like, some asshole on the internet's gonna be like, too late. Um, (laughs) But otherwise, it was fine. Like it was, it was fine for what it was. I, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I think that people um, wanted it to be great, so they called it great. Um, I didn't feel it was great. I thought it was, it was very good. Was better than I expected. I, w- I would say that, and I would say that Rollins and Owens stole the night for me. And yeah. with that, we are going to take a brief break, pay some bills, listen to some commercials. You're going to hear the sweet, sweet, smooth voice of Christopher Platt and the beautiful British voice of one Kenny Killa. And you um, will then come back and hear us talk about our favorite arcade games of all time. You are listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network at the chairshot.com. You can also listen to us on eWrestlingNews.com. We'll see you on the back end. Why should you visit the chairshot.com? <laughs> the chairshot.com always use your head. Why should you visit the chairshot.com? Chairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. And we're back. Time to jump into the meat of today's episode because I feel like this is going to take a while. We're going to go to the arcade. So last week, last week we were doing, uh, in the midst of Sausage Fest 2020, we determined the the next basically six weeks of shows in talking about video games. And at the time, I think what we had discussed uh, between Dave, Tony, and myself was breaking it down by like our top five systems and then our top three games within those five systems. Well, as people know, things evolve, things change. And what has been born is the video game project. Six weeks of episodes covering video games starting today. Today, we're going to cover arcade games and arcade cabinets. And then we're each doing a top 50 video games of all all time across systems. And we're going to break down our uh, 10, 10 a week until we get to number one on uh, whatever date six weeks from now is. I don't know what it is. I can't do math. I was an English major, so we won't worry about it. Over or under but, whether the lockdown is still in effect in six weeks. I mean, May it 17th. On, that is the day, uh, May 17th. That is oh that is the day after Odown's birthday. Two How days about after that? Tony's birthday. We we'd be celebrating Odown's birthday, talking our top ten video games of all time. That's gonna be a great show. Already excited for it. Thank you for the quick math, Mr. Tony. But before we go into that, um, today we're gonna talk about the arcade because before the console was king, arcades were king amongst the youth of America for forever. And I wanted to do, before we even got into talking about a top 10, just a little bit of a history lesson. So I don't know how old everybody is around the room here. Uh, I yes, know that you do, liar. Yeah, well, you were born in 1942. That's right. And that's cool. You were, you were learning all about Captain America and talkies. 
in the in the movie theater. So good times. But uh, before consoles exist, and you, were, I think I'm so glad I got DP going a little bit there. <laughs> that makes my day. I lose it. <laughs> but when you think about uh, when you look back in, in the past and for a really long time, really up and through the 80s, early 90s, one of the biggest ways to entertain the youth of America was through the arcade. Whether that was uh, in Tony's time, uh, where you know you put you know, a quarter in and you shot a little silver ball at hopes that the little baseball player could hit it into a thing that gave you 40 points um, to newer video games that existed. I mean, all the way up to DDR, uh, the arcade was such a big deal and cabinets were really king. And so I thought I'd start with just kind of going again, going around the, around the Skype a little bit and just talking to everybody, hearing your thoughts. Um, what were your experiences with, you know, the arcade? with arcade games and where you know what what was that experience for you we'll start with the old man of the group the guy who was there when arcades were invented uh tony wanted or no just kidding yeah, uh, Dave, it's tony i know did you see how i flipped, I flipped it uh Dave, DP's older than me so is kenny i think kenny what are you 80 born in 80 right kenny <laughs> he looks born great for 80, 80 man 30, 34 34 34 yeah man 1934 Okay. <laughs> oh, you're only. Oh, so you were. Shit. You were born. Depression era child. 80, 85? Yeah, bro. Oh, we got. Kenny's the young man of the show. Children. All right. Go ahead, Dave. I'm surrounded by children, man. It's it's rough. Uh, arcades. I mean, I was there when they started. I mean, when the whole thing boomed. When space. That and, does not help your I'm a young man I, argument when you're when like, I, I was there. When did I ever well, say I'm a young man? Let me start by saying I was there when they started. <laughs> I was uh, there when they started when space invaders broke on the, on the market and everybody lost their damn minds. I mean, I just remember in arcades popped up on every street corner and everybody was trying to find ways to get quarters. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was like, you know, nothing that I'd ever, I mean, I was a kid, but I mean, I'd never seen anything like that where it just exploded. And then you just had this proliferation of, I mean, we're going to talk about it in this countdown. There's going to be a lot of nostalgia in this countdown, I think. But at the time, some of the games that were coming out, you'd never seen anything like that. And they just kept adding little wrinkles to this and doing that. And people were just fanatical about arcades. So, yeah, I mean, for me, the arcades mean I mean something different than you guys probably because your games had evolved way beyond what they were when I was growing up. But, yeah, arcades were everything when I was a kid. Um, I just want to get into a bit of uh, the culture difference, I suppose, between, you know, the UK and, and America. I, I love having these conversations because it just shows uh, I, I, I learn a lot, basically. And I suppose others do from from myself as well. But um, arcades, wasn't a th- it's, it's not a thing over here. It wasn't a thing over here. So as whereas, you know, you guys will group up and kind of go out to the arcade and stuff. That wasn't our thing. You know, um, you only would have an arcade in a bowling alley and that was it you know and we probably have where where i live you know we had one bowling alley for the the longest time then you know i'm not going to go all dusty roads and talk about all hard times and stuff but you know we come on baby talk about it (laughs) we grew up on hard times so the bowling alley wasn't something that you know we got to go to too often so i saw uh you know a um a uh, sega master system or a um a super uh, you know a nez or a super nintendo before i even ever saw an arcade you know um and uh so yeah so arcade games weren't re- really massive so my my you know my ge- my games that i have on my top 10 list you you'll probably know some of them but we never had that much of a of a variety so 
um you'll know some on my list but i'm very interested to hear you know your guys story your guys list and you know what it meant for you guys i love that you brought up the bowling alley because here's the thing that i found really interesting um when i went back and thought about this so the arcade existed the arcade that existed when i was a kid uh existed in the champagne urbana mall and it was called tilt and it was right next to walden books for those of you who remember bookstores in the mall, Walden Books, a little corner store. And it was one of those places that if my parents let me walk through, it was a huge deal. But where I saw arcade cabinet games the most were at the bowling alley, at oddly enough, uh, Walmart. Walmart had its little like game section where you could go in and there would be a couple of cabinet games. I distinctly, one of my favorite games on the list, I used to play when my mom would take a shopping at Target and would just play it all the time when it was there. The other place for me as a kid of the 80s that was huge for arcade games, and I'm hoping Tony and DP and, and maybe Dave can back me up on this, Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese. Oh yeah, That was where you yeah. went. You went to the restaurant, you had pizza, watched a creepy animatronic bear sing to you, and then you played arcade games until your parents got tired of the noise. And that was really where arcade games, you know, came into play for me uh, until they sort of faded away with the arrival of consoles. And when consoles got huge, I mean, and it started with the Atari, but really blew up in the United States with the Nintendo Entertainment System. And then eventually, the console wars, which Dave tried to argue weren't console wars, you're wrong, between the Super Nintendo and Sega. Nintendo and Sega and their battle, until Sega died, was that was the thing. Like, you would argue with your friends about who had the who had the Genesis, who had the Super Nintendo, whose games were better. Did you like the Mortal Kombat with the blood? Did you like it without the blood? That was the thing when it got into the consoles. But we'll talk about that next week. And I never said it wasn't a war. I said it was the inferior war to the Sony versus Nintendo versus Microsoft war. You're completely wrong, but that's okay. All right. I'll I'll segue over to DP because I think there's two things he's going to touch on that I would touch on in the same as him. And and in segueing over, Patrick, you brought up pizza. So, DP, why don't you take it from there? Because I'm going to add something on top of the two things I think think you're going to talk about. You're going to put some toppings on that pizza? Cool. Uh, You know, you mentioned bowling alleys and pizza, and those are the two biggest places that I remember doing any type of arcade gaming. When I was younger, my mom was into bowling, and she was in a bowling league, and it was at the Olympic Lanes over there on 27th and, uh, was that Morgan? Right over there, we used to go. Howard. Howard. Sorry, not Morgan. Howard. I, I I worked there. I know. <laughs> and that was like the biggest place for me uh, because they had, you know, she would take me along and they had a little, you know, area where, you know, you send the kids off and for superv- supervision while the league does their bowling thing. And we'd sit and play arcade games. And that's where I first learned, you know, all different types of arcade games that they had available. And then it wasn't too far from where I lived, my brother and I. And I was basically following my brother around wherever he went. He's eight years older than me. And, was the person I looked up to all my life. So I always followed him around and he didn't, he didn't mind me following him around. So I kept going and that was one of our big places. I'd go there with him and play those arcade games. And the biggest one uh, other than the bowling alley was our local pizza hut. Pizza hut. That was the other place I was going to mention. (laughs) Always had an arcade cabinet. Did you have the table games? Did you always have the the cocktail table table table. 
Yes. At the cocktail table. Absolutely. And, and one of those that was there will be my number one. So I'm not going to go into nice. that too detailed, but it was literally like across the street and behind an alley of the next people's houses where we lived. And we called up that pizza hut so much that they knew my dad by name and he'd call up and say, Hey, it's John. Oh, Hey John, you want the usual? Yes, sir. Okay. It'll be whatever amount of time. And my brother and I would run across the street right first thing, go sit there and play the arcade cabinet until the pizza was done basically. And that was our big, that was our big thing. However often we had pizza was to be able to go over there and play whatever arcade game they had available and, that pizza was my used to be good pizza too before it became a fast food trash pizza place. Oh, that was that was the bomb. Before they all before they all like started doing all these other pizza joints and yeah, they tried to cut some prices. That was right. the place to go, man. All right. In an attempt to get to what we actually are all here to talk about, our top tens, I will briefly add on to DP. Uh, if any of you have listened to any podcasting I've ever done, you probably also know that I play a lot of softball, that I travel around doing that. And in growing up, I also did that and went with wherever my father went, which means growing up, where was I? I was in the bars and Mm. a lot of bars, have a lot of really good video games. And what better way than to, you know, talk, you know, gruffly with your good friends playing softball with your kid around than to have him off playing video games so they can talk about women and booze or whatever the hell else they were talking (laughs) about. Right. When I was too young to have a lot of the conversations we have on the podcast that we do right now. So, you know, shout out to that and shout out to quarters and uh, joysticks and buttons and things of that nature. And let me show you guys something real, real quick before we move on. Uh, one of my favorite machines needed to be fixed recently. And the gentleman let me keep something. The suspense but, uh, is killing me. This right here. Is the flyby button from one of my go- favorite golden tea machines. So I currently own it. And if I ever get on Jeopardy, I will practice with this for a trigger. <laughs> by the way, if you all haven't figured out, I have a fairly solid guess as to what Tony's number one ish is probably going to be. <laughs> anyway, I the other thing that I guess. found really, I know, right? The thing I found really interesting about arcades though, is as the, as the consoles sort of took over, arcades slowly died. But in recent years, and I don't know if this is true elsewhere, a resurgence has really kind of happened with a lot of these places. And these places are targeted not necessarily at kids, but just as much as at adults. Uh, And you see this a lot. And I think Dave and Buster's was the first one that really kind of comes to mind, uh, at least in the United States, where it's a chain restaurant with, you know, adult beverages, yet a giant ass arcade that was welcoming to both children and adults. Uh, and you would win, you could play games to win tickets and you would take those tickets and get prizes and the prizes were geared. Like you could get full on entertainment systems. You could get playstations, you can get Xboxes. Uh, I went to one in Hawaii where the family was on vacation in Honolulu. And I remember Mrs. O'Dowd getting wine stoppers with the tickets. She wanted Dave and Buster's like it's, it's interesting. And then the other thing that I've seen really come about is a lot of these retro arcades um, at bars. We have a place in Massachusetts in the area that we are in the Valley. It's called The Quarters. I see Kenny, you're agreeing too. Um, Full-on 21 and older bar with retro video games. 
cabinets lining all along the walls, no prizes, no nothing, just video games. And at this place, every single game costs a quarter. So you drop in, you give them 10 bucks, they give you tokens. And then they do like bracelet days where you get unlimited tokens and that sort of thing. And that's a thing that's really come back. And, you know, nostalgia being what it is, uh, I'm excited for it. I love it. I get to share it with, again, I get to share it with a little doubt. What? There's a place in uh, the falls here, not too far from where I live, that I actually went to a couple months ago called the Garcade. And it's a gentleman who actually used to just buy old arcade cabinets and fix them up and make them, you know, workable again. And finally had no idea what to do with them. So he bought a little space, uh, commercial space, threw them in there and charges people like 15 bucks. You can go in there and play as much as you want of all the different games. They're all free. You just got to pay a fee when you walk in there. There's a ton nice. of pinball machines, ton of old, you know, all those old arcade machines that you could play. And it's just awesome. And, you know, you just pay a fee to start to get in the door and you can play as long as you want. Walmart sells those mini cabinets. They're like 300 bucks. Yes, they and do. It's like five or six retro games on there. They got like four different varieties of that. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely making somewhat of a comeback. Kenny, I saw you nodding. Did you have what, what's going on over there? Yeah, so we have um, so we have a, a new bar uh, over here called Kong's, and uh, literally, it's like it's a really nice kind of um, bar, but it's also stacked with arcade games. And uh, when we found out about this bar, and it, you know, and it came out, like all the boys, we all kind of got together and decided to go down there. They've got a table tennis table there as well at the same time, um, so. We all just kind of went down there, um, started playing all the old school arcade games. And like I said, uh, I mentioned earlier, for us, it wasn't a big thing. So to be able to now do this, you know, at our older <laughs> age, and it's just cool. It's cool. It's just like, you know, we're all there and we're playing all of these arcade games. And it's like, wow, like I wish we could properly do this when we were, you know, when we were younger. But we can do this as adults now and, and have a, you know, have a tipple at the same time. Last thing I'll say about this quarters place uh, before we go into our list my favorite part of this is that they, um, every Saturday morning, they would do a special starting at 10 a.m. It would go from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. And it was a kids-friendly cereal, Saturday morning cereal bar where they would put out all old-school breakfast cereals for kids, all you can eat, all you can play, and they would play retro Saturday morning cartoons on their projection screen and you can play video games and watch cartoons for four hours. It's awesome. And I hope that business does not fall victim to being closed down uh, when we can finally end this stay-at-home order because it's so much fun. With that, gentlemen, I think it's time we get into some top 10 arcade games of all time. Uh, Kenny, I'm going to go over the rules with you real quick uh, as to how we do this. Um, because Dave is a big baby and has like 9,000 honorable mentions every time we do these lists, we will always go uh, and do top tens. We list them off one at a time. Everybody takes a turn. Uh, and what we do is if you have an item on the list that somebody else has further up, they're going to lift up their hand, flag you down and say, hold, because we're going to come back to it later. But you're going to talk a little bit about your list. Uh, and then we'll go through and um, just we'll, we'll cover it. It takes you know, a few comments, people kind of jump in. It's a lot of fun. Um, jump in the Wayback Machine. And yes, I, I think we can alter the order a little bit. I've put Kenny to go in first. The order will be Kenny, myself, DP, Tunny, and then Dave, you'll bring up the end. We do this rotisserie. Okay, and with that said, 
we're going to jump into our list. We're going to talk about our top 10 arcade games of all time. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Kenny has another engagement, and so we want to make sure that he gets his list. Kenny, thank you for coming on the show. Um, but feel free. We're going to we're gonna keep doing this week to week. So if you want to jump back on, we're always going to be happy to have you uh, with 50 video games. I'm sure you got some time. But we're going to let Kenny go ahead and do his whole 10. And we're not going to comment on any, any. Kenny can talk about any of the games that he wants, however he wants to. We won't comment, uh, and then we'll jump jump into our own top ten after we say goodbye to Kenny. So, with that said, why don't you show us what you got, man? Okay, so I'll start off with my ten. So my number ten um, is, I suppose, as Dave mentioned earlier, it's probably the most retroist game there is out there, and it's Space Invaders. Um, Space Invaders is the the game that um, you know the very first arcade game I played. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you know, you kind of had a, uh, um, the, the same kind of game on, on the consoles as well, but yeah, to be able to, you know, kind of go to the cinema for the first time and, um, and the bowling alley, and that's kind of the first game you play, you have, that has to be in your top 10 when it's the first, very first arcade game that you played. So, um, I definitely had to put that on there. I mean, it's a simple arcade game, obviously, you know, just a, a nice kind of shoot, shoot might be shooting the, you know, the aliens as they go across. I never even knew what those were, you know? Never even used what they, what those were. You just kind of had to make a guess about it. So, um, and then obviously as you get older, you know what they are. So it was a nice game to start off with. Um, my number nine is Donkey Kong. Um, Donkey Kong again. Um, obviously, I got introduced to kind of Donkey Kong through Mario, but um, when I found out that there, you know, there was actually an original Donkey Kong game, um, and it looked very different to what Mario was like, I was like, okay. This is this is cool. I can kind of get down with this, you know. Um, and then um, you know, seeing how Donkey Kong kind of evolved into, uh, you know, the the platform that it was on the Super Nintendo uh, with Donkey Kong Country and you know on the um, on the uh, N64. So uh, yeah, that definitely had to be in my in my top ten. Double Dragon is my number eight. Double Dragon uh, again. I came across Double Dragon first. Um, playing the the NES um and then you know when I went into an arcade and I saw that there was an actual arcade game well I think when you first realize that a console um is your first kind of um road into video games and then you realize arcade games after you kind of get really intrigued so when you see your console game on an arcade there's 100% that you're going to play it so uh Double Dragon was one of them and the fact that I can play with my my friend as well this was the first kind of um arcade game where um I started to play arcades along with my friends and what better game to start off with than Double Dragon you know staying there for hours trying to complete the game you've got your you know yours is quarters ours is pound coins you know kind of got those pound coins just ready to 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 play for the night so um that was my eight another retro game a uh, really retro game out there um which was my uh, number seven, which was Pac-Man. Uh, again, um, as I got older, I started to see that arcade games weren't just the stand-up kind of arcade systems, but also the table systems, uh, you know, which you had Space Invaders on as well. Um, the, you know, there's a, a double kind of table system, which is in the place that, uh, you know, we go to called Kongs. Um, and one side you have Pac-Man, the other you have Space Invaders. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a very fun game to play um, as a young kid. Uh, my number six was Mortal Kombat. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier about, you know, your gaming kind of consoles and then them being transported onto uh, onto um, arcade. I mean, Mortal Kombat was such a big thing for me to be able to see all of that, uh, I suppose, gore and um, kind of taking fantasy to another level at such a young age. Um, 
I don't think I would allow my kids to play that now at the age I was back then, you know, um, but then to be able to go into an arcade and kind of play that was so cool. I was enamored by fatality. That was just a thing for me. Like I wanted to see and learn how to do a fatality and to be able to do that um, in the arcade where everyone's watching, you know, you've got a big crowd. It was just like, it's an, uh, a nice, cool thing. I won't even get into um, babality, but uh, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my number five, for obvious reasons, is WWF WrestleFest. Uh, that was the very first WWF arcade game that I ever saw. And when I first saw it, I was already maybe three years into my wrestling fandom. So to be able to to just play that game, you know, this, that, this was the first game I played before I even played it on a console. So it was a massive, massive thing for me. I was wrestling mad, still am now. So... Yeah, it was a really, really, really big deal. I was, you know, massive Ultimate Warrior fan. He was the main reason why I got into wrestling in the first place. To be able to play, you know, as him and, oh, yeah, I just found it massively interesting. Later on, getting into the WWF Royal Rumble game, um, which was even more fascinating. So, but this definitely makes my 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 top five. Uh, now we're going to get into my, uh, my top four, which is... Uh, it's a staple, I think, in, in Bristol, where I live. Um, like I mentioned, uh, the, the, the bowling alley, uh, the very first kind of bowling alley that we went to, they only had a few arcade games. And those are the games you played the most as a child. So they're going to be in my top four. Um, I will start off with House of the Dead. Uh, House of the Dead, um, I don't know if you guys know House of the Dead. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was the... Uh, yeah, it was the first... It was the first kind of... Uh, venture again into that kind of spooky kind of you know um area of zombies and things like that i never knew anything about zombies or anything like that until house of the dead really you know my parents didn't really make us you know kind of watch horrors too tough when we were little so to be able to kind of sit in the booth and this was the first kind of booth arcade game we played you know so you're covered um over overhead and you you know you can you've got your shoe up there and it was just cool man it was the first game we kind of run to with the boys so uh that has to be my top four i had some very very funny moments with the guys uh there uh with that game so yeah that definitely has to be my, my fourth now my 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 third uh my third in the top 10 is a game really dear to my heart because when I first started playing it, I didn't know how to play it. Didn't really know how to play it very well. Always got very frustrated with it. Um, and then once I found out how to play it, man, I was shit hot, man. Like, literally, I played that game. I, I used to hustle people. I used to say, look, come and play this game. I'm not really very good, but, you know, we'll <laughs> see how it goes. And uh, that game is... is, is... <laughs> you cheeky bastard. Well, you know, that game is uh, Virtua Striker. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it, but um, yeah, yeah. But man, that was the very first arcade football game I played. And I'm a massive football fan. I'm a Man United supporter, so I was a massive football fan. Um, and obviously, it's international teams. So um, I was always playing with Brazil. And uh, yeah, man, like once I found out how to play, you know, you kind of go to the corner and then you cross it in and then you can get a header in. And it was just like, yeah, once I found out my system, that was it. I loved that game. I love that game to this day. Um, but it doesn't make my 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 uh, top two spot. It's my number three. Uh, my number two, the shoot 'em up that I loved the most, and uh, I think it's because of the design, the ease of play, um, and the fact that you know it's just a go to for the friends. And it's Time Crisis. Uh, Time Crisis was the first kind of uh, big, I suppose, shoot 'em up game for us guys over here in in England. I suppose in the, again the arcades, uh, sorry, the bowling alleys. You tend to have the same around the country, and Time Crisis was always the one that was in there. In every bowling alley you go to, 
every cinema you're gonna have a time crisis and uh we just love the way you shoot the the gun cocks back it was like you had a real gun you know it was just it was cool as a kid uh and uh yeah man it was just like you built up all these strategies and stuff with your friends oh you know duck down behind here you had the cool pedal you know where you could kind of press to kind of look up and stuff and it was it, oh man it was cool and then if your friend got knocked out or you got knocked out the game carried on you could kind of spur them on and it was uh yeah it was a big deal man time crisis uh much love to time crisis but my number one has to be street fighter street fighter um was my number one you know favorite game um on any console i could kind of get it on and uh once i found out you can do it on the arcade man the challenges the, the 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 amount of pain i had in my hands already from playing it on the on the console mind so that then to go up to the to to the cinema and go to the you know the bowling alley and be playing it again constantly beating random people you know you make friends that way you know i used to make friends playing street fighter with people i don't know um and you know some of my uh good friends to this day who i never went to school with who i made friends through playing street fighter in arcade man that has to be my number one so my number one arcade game in my top 10 is street fighter well i'll tell you for not having a lot of consoles you uh you put together a pretty darn solid list there kenny before we let you go uh one i want to just take a moment thank you for coming on the show we really appreciate having you once again but before you go tell everybody how they can find you follow you listen to you elsewhere outside of jumping on the bandwagon every once in a while okay and the dad cast and the dad cast so you can um so you can find me um my own personal Twitter that's um at um uh Kinney Killer uh and uh yeah you know I talk anything wrestling football anime um I'm there um but I also run my own um my own uh, company as well my own organization called Dadcast with Demandem um which is uh it is an organization that gives uh support and platforms to fathers to talk to other fathers about their children and share their experiences so um you can find us that's at dadcast wtmd so that's at dadcast wtmd on all socials all right well if there are no other thoughts anybody else oh say hi to the fam hope you're staying safe love you brother talk to you soon always a pleasure to have kenny on in any capacity at all great list man thanks guys thanks uh you, you know how much love i got for you guys you know you already know so um patrick really good to meet you bro um and, yeah uh, yeah pleasure's all mine good luck with the rest of the show good luck with uh your other shows and i will be on again excellent peace peace later, later kenny hey kenny all right so that was kenny killer now that he's gone let's make fun of him everybody <laughs> um just just kidding so we're gonna slap, go to the slap nuts motherfucker <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, full disclosure, I'm going to pull back the curtain down for the audience here. We're going to jump into our list. Uh, we've got four of us here. The thing that I'm going to need help, and, I, and I'm scared to ask for help because this means i got to rely on Dave a little bit. Uh, I'm going to trust DP more than Dave on this. For the majority of this podcast, I know. For the majority of this podcast, uh, Tony has been frozen on screen. So I cannot see if Tony has something matching on the list and would flag me down to stop me if we have something similar. And since that is kind of an integral part of the list process, I have to rely on the two of you. Uh, Tony's, oh, Tony's well, now fro- he's gonna... he was frozen on mine uh, too. So I was like, well, it's all DP. Uh, there, there he is. That was all good. There he is. 
Beautifully back. So, so guys, we have this wonderful thing. It's called a direct message on Twitter together. I've, so all we got to do is I've, send the old Tunster right here a message, and he'll fix so that right up for you. Had you looked at the chat on Skype, wise ass, you would have seen back at 2.23 p.m. on Sunday, I wrote, Tunny froze for anybody else? And I got one response. It's not even 2.23 over here. I don't know what you're talking about. At 1.23, <laughs> your time. <laughs> You Wisconsin people always a always an hour behind. Anyway, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna go through these lists now. I don't have to worry about technical difficulties. That's cool. Hopefully, Dave freezes out so we don't have to look at his face. But um, we'll go the uh, the order that I've got down here. I wrote it down arbitrarily. It's me going first, DP second, Tunny third, Dave bringing up the rear. Just where I Any like to questions? be, man. Just where I like to be. Yeah. Working Yo. from behind, I get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, but before Better we do working that, working on your knees. That's what? true. Touche. Before we do that, I in working on this top ten list, I couldn't not have honorable mentions, and I will share that one of these honorable mentions on my list. And so we'll let everybody share others. The only reason it's an honorable mention is because I can't find the name of the goddamn game and ask the entire chat room at dm this, this is mythical fucking game. hockey game this hockey we game is real i swear it. to god and i'm and it's like it, patrick maybe, had a dream one night he's like babe i played this hockey game no. it's like ah, oh, yeah you were dreaming bro no <laughs> somebody modded swear, nba jam and he's playing. <laughs> well and so i and maybe that's what it is is that i'm not remembering the game properly but too much the, fire sauce on your burrito before you went to bed brother it's it's a it's like a two-on-two or a three-on-three nhl hockey game I think it was a two-on-two game, and I think because I had Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky for the New York Rangers, that was the that was the pairing. So that's around the time frame of when this game came out. But it was this NHL hockey game that played kind of like a, a, a mix between NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Like that was that was the comp, and I played this game uh, one of the other like in in my dorm. When I was in college, it was in the lobby of our dorm, and I played that game all the time. In fact, it's one of the three games that I'm going to talk about today that I played in college, which was the other place that arcade cabinets were. Every single dorm had like its own set of video games that you could play. And so you go from dorm to dorm and play video games, uh, arcade games down in the in the in the dorm lobby. I lost so much laundry money pumping quarters into video games in the dorm lobby because I would get a, I would get a roll of quarters and about seven fifty was spent on video games or arcade games. So that was one. The other one, um, I, I almost put on there one of the most unfair arcade games of all time. You hated hearing the dreaded sentence warrior needs food badly. Uh, and that's gauntlet. Gauntlet was just this game with the running health that you just you lost no matter what you did, and the game never ended. Literally never ended. Those are my two honorable mentions. We'll work uh we'll work backwards. Dave, why don't you give us your honorable mentions? I know you have some. I, I do. I mean, one of the ones that we mentioned, like I think trying to decipher your hockey game was one of the ones I mentioned. It's uh and I, I don't even know if it's got an official name. It's just the NHL, not even NHL, it was USA versus USSR in the big bubble. And you would control the guys oh, on yeah. the rods. And, and I mean, that game we played. It's like skee-ball. Yeah. Or not skee-ball, like um, foosball. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, exactly. Like foosball. I mean, we played the shit out of that game because this is right on the tails of the 1980 Miracle on Ice. Yeah, I know. Old and all that kind of stuff. But that game was fantastic. Um, 
There are other ones, I mean, Frogger, which I know we're going to talk about later on. That's one. Asteroids uh, was another one that's an honorable mention. Street Fighter 2, which Kenny just mentioned was his number one or some iteration of Street Fighter, uh, which, of course, spawned its whole own conference, uh, the Evo conference. Um, and then there's a game that that I, I just, not even an honorable mention, it's just kind of a, a, a fun story about it. My friend's dad, when I was a kid, he actually owned an arcade. This arcade was located on 14th Street in Washington, D.C. 14th Street in Washington, D.C. is one of those streets in the nation's capital where there was a proliferation of uh, ladies of the night, shall we say. So when you would go into the arcade as teenagers, we would get accosted by the prostitutes, which made the whole thing a lot of fun. But there was this game called Quarter Horse that I doubt anybody's ever heard of. The general concept is... Quarter Horse? Quarter, not Quarter Horse, Patrick. Quarter. Are you sure this wasn't the game that was happening outside the arcade? <laughs> right. <laughs> you paid a quarter, you got a whore. That's how it worked. No, this was a horse. Ooh. This is a horse racing game where you would bet on the horse races, and then they—I don't know how they did it. I still haven't figured out. They must have had like a laser disc or something early technology, and you would actually watch the race. Uh, it was like a video of a real race, and you would bet on the horses, and, and you'd win money uh, depending on the outcome. And we would always bet on the long shot. And because my friend's dad owned the arcade, we didn't have to put in quarters. And it must have taken like eight hours before the long shot finally came in. Very unique game. I've never seen it anywhere since then. So just a fun story. So, of course, Dave, with, you know, five honorable mentions. Uh, DP, what do you got? You got any honorable mentions for us? I do. There was a couple that were, it was tough to, as I was making the list, they kind of flipped in and out of the list as I was trying to put the top 10, but uh, they didn't make the final cut was the Simpsons arcade game which is being the Simpsons as like my favorite all time, you know, television show. Basically it was, it was hard to keep it off the list, but it was, that was one of those just button mashers. That was a lot of fun to play and operation wolf, which was oh, yeah. uh, actually one of my brother's favorites and where he actually had the Uzi right in Uzi. front of you, the machine gun, and you could just sit there and you would point at the screen and shoot and, you know, it would just go across the screen. It was just, a lot, that one was a lot of fun and just unique that you actually had that stationary gun that you could play. Um, those are my two. Honey. All right. I'll, I'll go through this quick. Air hockey. Air hockey was in the arcades. <laughs> yeah. You could play mm-hmm. air hockey. Air hockey was a good fucking time. Okay. So it's going to make the honorable mention. Uh, a few things that are going to probably be on somebody, three games that are probably going to be on somebody's list up higher Donkey Kong, Pac Man, and Gal- Galaga. Uh, um, loved them all. Whatever iteration of Pac Man you want. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game was fucking phenomenal in the arcade. And then uh, you mentioned Operation Wolf. My last honorable mention, getting through this quickly, is Area 51. Completely loved Area 51. Uh, th- th- it's really funny because there was a softball tournament when I was a younger man we used to go to for three, four years in a row. And the same Area 51 was in the hotel lobby, and we would stay up till 2, 3 in the morning pumping quarters into that thing. So that's my honorable mention. All right. So let's get to it. I love that Tony is at least way more efficient with his 900 uh Honorable mentions. Dave, Dave's got a you know an old timey story with all of them, um, and I'm going first today with my number ten uh, mentioned in a couple of honorable mentions. I think in Dave's honorable mentions, that's Frogger. Anybody else got Frogger on their list? All right, seeing no. So one of the other places where I used to go and play video arcade games all the time when I was in seventh and eighth grade, we had a youth center, uh, and this youth center would do open would do evenings Friday and Saturday nights for. Seventh and eighth graders, you'd go in, you'd pay like a flat fee, and then video games were free. And Frogger was one of those 
Pizza Hut tabletop versions that they had. And I would sit and hog the Frogger machine until until people either got angry with me or they closed up shop. Love Frogger. Play it all the time. Sucked at it, but loved playing. It was terrible at the game. We'd get to like the fourth screen, and that was about as far as I could get before that damn semi would run me over. Loved me some Frogger. I feel like Jerry Seinfeld paid a gigantic tribute to Frogger in in an episode (laughs) of Seinfeld. If you haven't seen it and you're a fan of Frogger, check out that episode of Seinfeld. It's phenomenal. The holes, Jerry, the holes. (laughs) DP, you're number 10. My number 10 is Ivan Iron Man Stewart Super Off-Road. I don't know if anybody played that one. No. I played the Nintendo version. I, yeah, I played both. Um, I think a lot of mine kind of carry over because I think it, some of the times I played it on the Nintendo and then ended up playing in the arcade after. But this was one of them I loved playing in the arcade because you had the you had your own steering wheel. You could play it with a couple people. It had four different you know four different trucks you could play four by fours and you'd go across the uh, the dirt tracks and just race and you could build up your you know as you collected the money and collected different the turbos and stuff on the on the screen, you could build up your truck as you went through. And as long as you won your race, you continue playing. But if you lost, then you had to throw a quarter in, but it was just fun because you actually, it was one of the first ones I played where you had a pedal to, for the gas and you had actually had a steering wheel to be able to control your, your car. And is that what the, the one where you would spin, you would just spin the fucking wheel and stop it as you were going through the yes. turns. Yes. You would crank the wheel on those hard turns because you were on the dirt track. And yeah. That was awesome. That one was a lot of fun for me in the arcades. All right, PC, you're number 10. My number 10 is probably way up higher on somebody else's list, Mortal Kombat. It's on D. You got it up higher than 10? Okay. Mortal Kombat 2, does that count? Mine was for Mortal Kombat 2. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. What? Yeah, I would say so. If you have a a version of Mortal Kombat up higher on your list, we'll, we'll roll right over to Dave. All right, Dave, you're number 10. My number 10 is a game called Zaxxon. I don't know if anybody played that. It's just a... Uh, I played it for the Atari. Did you? Okay. I mean, the <laughs> the uh, arcade version was far, was a lot su- more superior just because it actually had like a yoke. Like you could actually like fly the plane and do all this stuff. And you're just trying to stay alive and clear levels and, and blow up shit. And, and it, uh, it was just a fun game right at the right when arcades really started to get rolling in, in a big way. So that was my number 10. And I guess we're coming back to me for number nine if I'm... My number nine's Galaga, which I don't know if that's higher on anybody. Okay, never mind. So let's go to Tunney's number nine. Hey, My number nine is Arkanoid. <laughs> nice. Nobody not else? A, dude. Not on a list, I, but a good game. I, I'll tell you what. I would say 75% of the bars that I ended up in, you know, softball in Wisconsin is, is a big tradition, right? And there used to be in the 80s and 90s. Boy, 16 to 32 teams, depending on where you would go. And then everybody would be sponsored by a bar. So you'd always go back to the bar and support that on that Saturday or Sunday night. And Arkanoid was always in the bar. And it was such a fun game with the dial. And then, you know, you could elongate the bar at the bottom or you could get multiple balls. You could even get the shooter. You get the sticky button. But I just remember just feeling like, it was a game I could play that I didn't, you know, if I didn't play all the time, I could still have fun doing it, right? You didn't have to be a genius at video games to have a good time with Arkham. So I'm sure everybody here played it. Um, and it's just, it's it's on my top 10 because I played it a lot growing up. Very nice. 
TP, where do you number nine, sir? My number nine is NBA Jam. Actually, right. it's my it's my number nine too. So, okay. is it your is it higher up on yours? So, we'll skip my number nine, and I'm going to go to my number eight, which was the game that I talked about playing at the uh, the local Walmart over and over and over again, and that was Captain America and the Avengers. Excellent, seeing no hands. Uh, somebody mentioned the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game earlier in um, in honorable mentions, Cap and uh, the Simpsons. This uh, Captain America and the Avengers was an earlier um, was it was done in the similar vein. You could be either Cap, Hawkeye, the Vision. Uh, was it was it side scrolling as well? It was a side scrolling game. Awesome. It, awesome. it was done. On, it was done on the same mechanics and same physics as those games. Um, where you side scrolling, line up, punch, punch, punch. It was Captain America, the Vision, Hawkeye, and Iron Man. Those were your choices that you could Sweet. play, and it was dope. Like you, like it looked so cool. But I used to, while my mom was checking out, I would get my quarters, and I, while mom was checking out, I would play Captain America and the Avengers. I would always either choose to be Iron Man or the Vision because they could fly. Nobody ever picked Captain America because he could only sort of throw his shield. Most of the time, he punched, and that was dumb. And why would you do that? Why would you throw the shield every time when you could do things like shoot lasers out of your head or the mm, Hawkeye with the arrows? You know, Patrick. It was, it sometimes was, it's a good thing. Patrick, sometimes I wish on this podcast you would tell the people how you really feel. I know I, I hold back a lot, so um, I get that. But love that game was a lot, a lot of fun. Really, you know, just like anything else, really, really difficult game. But it uh, was one of the earliest iterations of that sort of platform that you see in a lot of games, like a, like a Double Dragon, like a, a Final Fight, and like a lot of other games. So Kung Fu. Cool. Kung Fu, yep. Fu. Oh, man. And it's my honorable mention. All right, DP, we're back to you with your number eight. My number eight was previously mentioned by Kenny Killer, but it was uh, WrestleFest, mm. the WWE game. All right. Oh, hand up. Moving on. To, yep. Tony, you're number eight. My number eight is Big Buck Hunter. Anybody else got uh, that on there? You don't like it, Patrick? I find that game thoroughly dull. <laughs> I, you know what? Here, here's why I like it is because majority of the time I go out to the bar, it's after a softball game, and mm-hmm. the softball guys are together, right? So what better way to play a video game for shots than to do a round of Big Buck Hunter? You know, it, the low round buys, you know, and there you go. So you get a number of animals that come out and it's a shooting game on the screen. I just enjoy the treks. I, I played it individually. Me and a buddy used to play it back in the day. It's something right. different. It's very interactive. Little kids love it. I mean, I, I don't know how many times you get to the bar and you see, you know, if it's more of a bar restaurant, uh, you know, before seven here in Wisconsin, kids are acceptable. So they're out at the... They're playing in the arcade, and that's where the arcades are here. So, big buck hunter, big fan, a lot of a lot of entertainment on that game. Cool, Dave. Your number eight. My number eight is uh, this is something that Kitty had mentioned on his countdown. It's the grandfather of all arcade games, in my opinion. That Space Invaders. Don't see anybody else. Uh, I mean, this this was the game that started it all. This was the first thing that really just broke the doors down and got everybody just completely nuts about the arcades uh space invaders very basic game you know you're just scrolling your little guy back and forth shooting the uh shooting the aliens as they come march down towards you getting ever closer 
and the uh, sense of, oh, shit, they're about to get us, that sort of thing. Very basic. I, you know, looking back, there's a lot of nostalgia, which is why it's on my list, but not higher in the list, because let's be honest, it's not all that fantastic. But it, it really, I mean, because of its historical significance and just what it did to the industry, I felt obligated. I got to put Space Invaders on the list, so it gets number eight on my list. From from what I understand about Space Invaders as well is that the guy who designed it wanted when it, you know how at the end they start to move a little faster when you get less guys on the screen. He wanted it to move that fast the entire time, but because of the amount of characters he had on there at the time, the processors couldn't handle it. So he had to move. He had to make it move slower. It makes and sense. And with that, and with that, DP may have just said the nerdiest thing on Bandwagon Nerds. <laughs> I've, I've been telling you. Well, I do. It's I've science. I've been telling you. It's I've been science. telling you. We need to get sound bites on this so that we can get Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds just shouting nerds yeah. at different points, like when somebody says something particularly nerdy. I'll just I'll I just say it on the air. I'll just, for you. Yep, I was just going to say that right here on the air. Why don't you just email a list of DP of what sound bites you want? It's <laughs> a good call. My number seven was also something mentioned by uh, Kitty on his list, and that's Donkey Kong, which kind of came in on the tail. Well, not the tail end, but right about the middle of the arcade craze where it was just uh, you'd, you'd never seen anything quite like this game. I mean, it did introduce Mario to the masses and it's it's pretty basic. You're just running, jumping over barrels, uh, climbing ladders, trying to avoid getting squashed by barrels, get the monkey at the top who always leaves with the princess and it's just, it's you just keep rinse and repeat. But uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It remains a lot of fun. I mean, what did the, the, uh, didn't they have some big movie about that? The King of Donkey Kong, or I don't remember. King of Kong. King, King of Kong. Kong. King of yeah. Kong. That was a great movie. If you haven't seen it, great documentary. Yeah. You wouldn't think it's silly bitch. Yeah. You, silly bitch. All right. You wouldn't right. think a game like that would, would, would foster such an intense rivalry, but it really did. And it's, uh, it, it's a, it's, it's a classic, I, I look at this with more regard than Space Invaders for sure. It's a little bit more complex. It plays smoother, that sort of thing. So yeah, Donkey Kong's number seven on my list. The little O'Dowd discovered that game yesterday on the little NES um, console thing that came back out and all the frustrations that go with it, which I had to explain to him that old video games were grossly unfair. They just, they were all unfair and you should accept that. But uh yeah, King of Kong, by the way, it's either it's free to stream either on Amazon Mom, or the video game's cheating again. Right. <laughs> it was either Amazon or Netflix. It, it's it, on one Netflix. of the two. Yeah, I was like, I know it's available to yeah. stream on one of the two. Yeah. All right, Tony, you're number seven. All right. I have a non-video game on my honorable mention, and I have a non-video game per se on my top ten. And my number seven is Papa Shot Basketball. In whatever incarnation you can have it in rotating rim regular indifferent i don't know how many times i've been at the bar since i've been legal at the bar played that game before i was legal at the bar dp and i roomed together back in our early 20s we had a hallway that had poppy shop basketball in it for anybody who wanted to come over uh until strong mclarge huge ruined it for us but uh yeah that's a real thing uh, my number, my number seven is Papa Shop Basketball, and I challenge any of you to not want to challenge your family members in a game of Papa Shop Basketball at a local establishment. For the record, this is our top ten arcade games, and that is a game that you would find at an arcade, so we'll allow it. And with that, DP, your number seven, sir. 
Yeah, and I didn't think of those games either because that one would have probably, that one would have definitely made my top ten, and I didn't even didn't even think to put those on my list. It, but it was it was DP's Papa Shot that was in our hallway, by the way. <laughs> it was. Nice. It was because I love Papa Shot basketball. Uh, my number seven was Cruising USA. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a negative. Higher All right, Tony. <laughs> I uh, I nearly put Cruising USA on my list too. It was a very very fun game. Revolution at the time. My number seven uh, is NFL Blitz. All right. So my number six is Dragon Slayer. All right. Wait wait wait. You want to talk about a Dragon Slayer? Dragon's Lair. Sorry. Dragon Slayer. Dragon's Lair. That's higher on my Dragon's Lair. All right. I thought you said Dragon so, Slayer. <laughs> No, Dragon Slayer is a crappy movie from the 80s starring Peter McNichol. Gotcha. And... Ah! All right, now that's the nerdiest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> EP, what's your number six? Damn it. My number six is... It's good to be the king. Well, <laughs> go with PC Tunney's earlier one. Mine's Mortal Kombat number two for me. Uh, this one, I was never big on fighters just fighting games those type of ones the one-on-ones i was never a big fan of that basically until mortal kombat 2 came out when i was i was about middle school and my buddy and i would ride our bikes over to the greendale village and we'd go to Furch's malt shop and then all of a sudden they had a mortal kombat 2 machine and it was like oh this is pretty awesome and we'd sit there and we'd throw a quarter after quarter into that machine and just it was the most fun I've ever had playing a fighting game and actually enjoyed it. They had some cool characters. I think Baraka, that was the first time Baraka showed up and he was one of my favorites. With the knife or the blades in his arms? With the blades in his arms. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously they had Scorpion and Sub-Zero and all those guys, but it was just, that was the one that really got me into actually enjoying fighting games. And since then I've never been really good at them, but I've enjoyed like the Tekken series and Street Fighter after that and everything. But this was the one that really got me actually interested in playing these games and was actually more was fun to actually play. Um, and that's my number six. Mortal Kombat was also on my list. And I think I'm going to just harken back to what Kenny said when it was on his list is it was really cool to know how to do a fatality playing against another person while other people were watching. And that's why, like the original Mortal Kombat... I would just consider the iterations of Mortal Kombat in the arcade as a top, you know, portion of what's going on here. It was just so much fun. I knew the fatalities because I had it on Sega Genesis, which we're going to get to in the next fucking five episodes. And I'm so goddamn thrilled to fucking be doing that for a while. <laughs> I think this is a great project for that show. But like DP said, you know, just Mortal Kombat you mentioned Mortal Kombat, everybody knows. They made movies out of a video game, folks. Then the movies made money in the theater. Think about that. Yes, it did. I, I went to see at least, I think I went and saw the first one. So The here's first the thing. one was I, good. I was terrible. I'm terrible at fighting games. I'm no good at them. I suck at them almost as much as I suck at first-person shooters. But for some reason, and I'm sure other people did too, I just loved killing Johnny Cage. I don't know why. That little I bitch. Loved, I loved killing him all the time. I would be Liu Kang and I would turn into the dragon and bite Johnny Cage in half. And then I would quit playing. Like that was it. Like that's all I needed to do. Uh, I didn't care if I lost to anybody after that. Loved killing Johnny Cage. He just looked like a douche. Can we just be honest? He looked like a douche from the get go. You wanted to kill him. And so you did. 
I got that's all, no, that's I, got, all I had. I got no argument to that statement. He did look like a dude. <laughs> right. All right, Dave. You're up. I think is we're it, still on number sixes. Is it me or Tony? Oh, no. My number six first. Tony's number six. My number oh, six sorry, first Tony. is uh, The Rock recently made a movie about it, and it was in a lot of arcades that I went to, but Rampage, the arcade game, was a whole lot of fun. You could actually pick which character you wanted to be, whether it was the wolf or Godzilla, I believe, and there was two others. DP, do you know what I mean? Lenny, Lizzie, yeah, Lenny, Lizzie. Yeah. Uh, that was the only two I remember. <laughs> okay, but you could choose your characters, and you had to climb up these buildings and bring down the city, and it was a lot of fun. It, it was a really interesting game. It was a nice joystick game. It was, it was a lot of mashing, but uh, it's great to see that they ended up making a movie out of it too, right? So, Dave, you get to grab the little grab the little uh, women or men out of the uh, buildings and eat them. That was always fun. It was a great, game. Story. great game. <laughs> uh, my number six was the predecessor to cruising, uh, and that's pole position. Uh, I mean, like one of the first games that you had where you like your guys were talking earlier, or somebody was talking earlier about, yeah, exactly. Where you got, you've got the actual pedal and you've got the actual steering wheel. And there was some rudimentary physics involved. You couldn't take the corners at ridiculous rates of speed or you just go off the track, that sort of thing. So it had that element. It was just a lot of fun trying, and they had a, a good gaming concept to you know continuances to try and get certain lap times and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I love pole position. It was a uh, the predecessor to the cruising games, that sort of thing. And cruising took it and amplified all that stuff. But yeah, pole position for me was number six. Uh, number five for me was um, was a game Kenny discussed, and that was Pac Man. Um, you know, I mean, if Space Invaders broke the door down, then then Pac-Man just lit it on fire and incinerated the whole industry because whatever Space Invaders did, Pac-Man just just amped onto that. I mean, and and, and it's a, another pretty basic game, like you're saying, uh, DP. They they kind of transferred that to cocktail tables and that sort of thing, and so you could sit down and play it. And it led to a bunch of sequels like Miss Pac-Man, which a lot of people consider superior to the original Pac-Man. I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, Pac-Man, oh, you're wrong again. But that's uh, yeah, okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Go figure. This was going to happen. Yeah. Pac-Man Jr. You know, they did a lot of different things and it's still like I watch my son who is fantastic at Pac-Man. I sucked at it, but my son, he's got all the patterns memorized. He can sit there and play that thing for an hour on one quarter at the arcade never lose a person because he knows exactly where to put his guy that the ghosts go by. He's awesome at it. It's a, it's, it's a great game. It really established and set the industry on fire at the time it came out. I remember just in the eighties, lines of people waiting to play this thing. It's a fantastic game, but uh, Pac-Man's number five for me. I, I love that. It's hard to follow that. Uh, my number five is I will just the whole iteration. So 1942 and onward. Yeah. That's when it started, right? 1942. So here's, here's my trip down, you know, memory lane, little nostalgia. Myself, my father, his brother, and two sons, my two cousins would take a trip out to the Mississippi every year. Patrick, you're familiar with the lay of the land, uh, lacrosse area. Uh, and, and Dave, I've, Obviously, you know where the Mississippi is. So anyway, I think I've heard of we're it. out there I've heard of it. Yeah. And both my father and uncle own a boat, but we would go out there to fish on the barges as the fish would be running through when they would open up the locks in fall. Well, where we would stay was a bar and on top of it was a hotel. So when we were done fishing for the day, we would go back and have dinner 
And then we'd be in the bar the rest of the night as a kid. I'm like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And I get to spend five, six hours in the bar. And it's basically a vacation where it's like, here you go. Here's 20 bucks for pool darts in 1944, baby. And we would run the hell out of 1944. And we had so much fun. And I still love playing that game to this day. In fact, DP can tell you he has a Gargantia game. It's the number one game I pull up on Gargantia game. My hands get tired because it's a masher and I'll tag people in so I can keep the thing going. So I try to get as many people going as possible because I'm not really good at video games, to be honest with you, except for a couple sports games. But I like to tag people in and get it going. So everybody's played that series. I I think it's one of the most iconic video games ever. It's just a blast and one of my favorites of all time. Excellent. TP number number five. Number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. This is one of my all-time favorites and one of the go-tos anytime I get to go to an arcade or anywhere and I see that one's available. It's just one of those being having the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being one of my favorite cartoons as well. It was just awesome to be able to play as one of them, Donatello, Michelangelo, Leo, Raphael, one of the guys. I always lean towards Donatello because I like the bow staff. And... Being able to play that one again, it's like a button masher, just like the Simpsons, just like the Captain America ones. You know, it's that side scrolling. You can you jump around, you hit, you know, you get to a certain spot and it stops and a handful of guys come out and you take them down and you move along and you end up at the end of each level. You got a super boss, either Bebop or Rocksteady and everybody else. So, Patrick, Dave, you guys have both played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, correct? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like all three of them. Okay, so Raphael, as far as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles goes, is probably one of your top two turtles, but the last turtle you would want in the arcade game. Because no reach, man. No yeah. reach. Can't. What are you going to do with those little fucking knives? You, you, go, you go Donatello, and it didn't matter if they made Donatello's bow staff swing slower. You went Donatello, Leonardo, Michelangelo, yeah. Raphael. Oh, I like Mike. I like Mike better. Yeah. Swinging the nunchucks. It was fifty yeah. fifty with that one. Leo had the Leo had a little bit of reach with the with the longer knives, but Donatello had the bow staff. Yeah. I mean, the key to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game though was mastering the jump kick. Like if you could do the jump kick down from above, you really didn't need to worry about your weapons. Yep. Yeah. I've lost so, a ton of quarters playing that one because you just true. you just you get wiped out so quickly and you just nice. throw more quarters in. Cool. Well, my number five is also on the same gaming engine and is uh, one that I still play today because I downloaded a port onto my PlayStation 3 and it is also available at that bar. I talked about the quarters and that's the X-Men game, the X-Men game where you could pick from the biggest range of characters that I think I've seen in any of these sorts of arcade games. Same sort of deal, sky side scroll, fight monsters, move on. Um, you were taking on Magneto, uh, and it was you could choose to be Dazzler, Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, um, and I want to say there was one Cyclops. And you pick up one of six, and the cabinet, if you, you can see these, the cabinets actually were big enough that you could have six people playing at once if you could find it. It was awesome, and I, I love playing that to, to this day. We'll play it, pump quarters into it till I beat Magneto seven times over. Because the great thing about video games back then was you didn't just beat it, 
you just started the game over after you beat it and it was a little bit harder. You just go right back to level one, start running through it again and just try to rack up that score. And my personal my personal X-Men of choice in that game was Colossus, but um heck of a lot of fun. A lot of people would play as Wolverine who didn't have a healing factor because, you know, stupid, but uh great time. You would have limited uses of the mutant power, uh, and they would always kind of clear out the whole screen play that game for hours. We'll play that game for hours. Uh, beautiful, beautiful side scrolling game. Uh, and everybody should check it out. Who was the, uh, who was the sixth man who got stuck with Dazzler? Um, usually the one that <laughs> usually the one who was late to the, the to the meetup, you know how it was like, yeah. Oh, Dazzler was always the last one. Picked. Hey, can I put quarters in? Sure. Who's left? Oh, Dazzler. fuck. I already put, Oh, fuck. Never. I already put my quarter in. Yeah. Right. It's like, <laughs> nobody's like, no, that's okay, guys. Uh, Nightcrawler probably had the coolest ability because they he would teleport all over the screen in like this cool like flashing like trail of Nightcrawlers all over the place to wipe people out. Um, Tony, I think you mentioned this one in your honorable mentions, but it was number four for me. It was one of the uh, dorm lobby games that I used to play. And that's Area Fifty One. Uh, that was one that uh, I pumped quarters in nonstop would shoot down that alien spaceship at the end just to like every other arcade game, start all over, start blasting aliens. And I, I remember trying to find the secret bonus levels where you could do things like shoot the heads of the programmers uh, as they like rain down from, there were all kinds of hidden things. And I found all of them playing that game. Loved it to death. That was, that was my number four DP. What's your number four? My number four was, Mentioned by Kenny Killer, it was Time Crisis 2. I know he mentioned the original. I, mine was number two because that was the one that was available when I went to the arcades. Uh, basically the same exact premise as the first one, just up, updated to a new story and everything. But that was just one of the best ones to play. I loved, you know, you actually got to put a gun in your hand and shoot at, a, shoot at the screen. You had the, you know, you had a little foot pedal at the bottom where you could actually duck and hide. And that was like the first time I've ever seen that in an arcade game where you could press a pedal and you could just duck and hide where, you know, like, like he mentioned house of the living dead and other games like that, where you're, you're just stuck out in the open and you're, you know, you're shooting stuff, but this one you could actually hide. You had a, you had a time limit to be able to actually finish each level. So you, you not only could you hide, but you actually kind of had to rush what you were doing, but it was just fun to actually, have a you know a pistol in your hand and be able to shoot at the screen and and take down some bad guys as opposed to just pressing buttons so it was it was a little more interactive which was a lot of fun to play very nice tony you're number four my number four is wwf wrestlefest i actually went to the bowling alley with my grandma and grandpa as a younger child and that's what i would play when they were bowling and it's a button masher but it has all your favorites at the same time i was also watching wwf superstars where Ultimate Warrior was king. Uh, so all those characters on there from Demolition to, you know, other iterations of it with the Road Warriors and Million Dollar was, Man, and you get to face Andre the Giant. There's Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter and Jake the Snake and all these other guys on that game. It's just a phenomenal game. I, I was would Demolition this. Was Demolition the last tag team on that? They were on a reiteration of it. They were on the original. The, origi- the original version is DiBiase and Andre. Demolition. Demolition was on there, DiBiase, Andre, uh, Big Boss Man. I think you had One Man Gang on there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Jake the Snake, uh, Hogan, Warrior, Macho Man, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. So. 
I do remember that the the port to the Super Nintendo was the, was the Royal Rumble game, and then depending on which system you had, you had different wrestlers because one version yes. had like Papa Shango on it, and I can't remember what the Nintendo version. Well, had. I'll put it to you this way: How's this sound? I can't go to the bar, and DP can't go to the bar, but maybe I can go to DP's house because he's one of my only friends who I don't have to worry about getting his kid sick. So maybe I'll head over by him and we'll play some video games one night and we'll periscope it uh, on the Twitter feed. Uh, I know he has WrestleFest on there, Golden Tea, et cetera. Maybe we can find some of these other games and, and pair them up uh, with a find with a tweet. Find that goddamn hockey game. Just find it. <laughs> I'm going to go through that list, but I don't think it exists. I know. I think, this is a I think real that was game a college game. In your dreams, you son no, of a bitch. This is a real game. It existed. I swear on a stack of Bibles. One of Patrick's boy. acid flashbacks. That's probably what it is. Right. Yeah, it's I totally college did acid. Days. Well, there were some hazy moments. That video game was not one of I put so much money in it. I may be just not remembering the the whatever it is. No, it sounds, it sounds familiar. I think we all like it. It sounds familiar, but it, it, uh, the name's just like... Tony, Tony, so. I disagree. They don't call them bath salts O'Dowd for nothing. <laughs> oh, stop it. They don't call, they don't call me bath salts O'Dowd, so... Where were we? Number four? Is it where? Is it Dave? Was it your? Did Tunny just go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did Russell Fest. Right. My number four was uh, Kenny had mentioned it. It's a uh, Double Dragon, which is probably my favorite fighting game in the arcades. And and I don't have too much to add that Kenny already mentioned. I mean, it was cool. It was one of the first kind of sort of cooperative sort of ventures with a sort of loose story going on. I mean, the story got fleshed out and in later versions of the game and when they ported it to consoles. But yeah, it was just cool being able to go in there with your friend and beat the hell out of all these other people who were coming at you. And, uh, and you know, you got the two brothers and uh, double dragon was, was my favorite fighting game in the arcades. I know street fighter was a, a big step up technology wise, mortal Kombat huge step up um, Tekken. All those games were big steps up as far as fighting, but just, I mean, I just, I always liked the mechanics of double dragon. So that got number four. Um, the top three are the ones, though, that really have a special place in my heart. And number three is uh, one of the first of those, obviously, and it's uh, Tron. Uh, I loved Tron when I was a kid. And, I mean, it was as Patrick's rolling his eyes. How can you not like the light cycles, man? I mean, the light cycles were the best part of that game where you just were. Okay. Every, everybody's trying to go at each other to box the other one in and, and trap them. Um, there were two other games on the Tron system that weren't so fantastic. They were okay. But the light cycles really carried it for me. I mean, and, and they basically made a Disney movie or a couple of them after this this video game. So I always loved Tron. Tron is one of my favorite ones. It got a lot of play in the arcades when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> that stupid ass disc game. I don't oh. think I ever played Tron the video game, but I remember watching the the movie actually recently because I I never saw it, and uh, my girlfriend was like. Oh, Tron was so awesome. We got to watch Tron. You know, you got to got to see it. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I ended up watching Tron. I'm like, this is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. She's thinking, she's like, thinking of the so game. Bad. She's thinking of the game. And she... Well, yeah, the movie is, the movie is really all about the special effects. It was groundbreaking for the time, what they were doing with that movie. Here's the thing is there's a, there's a robot chicken episode, robot chicken skit that makes fun of the end of the end of that game where you're attacking Tron and you're like trying to knock away this like weird barrier. It's 
I'm sorry, Dave, I get it. It's It holds a special place in your heart. A little before my time, by the time I was really following arcade games, that was that archaic thing that was gathering dust because nobody liked it. Sorry. Um, but uh, I get it. Light cycles, sure. Light cycles were sorry. fun. <laughs> I, hey, you had fun. That's, that's that's true. That's the most important thing. Tony, what's your number three, my friend? My number three... It starts back when I was in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, because when I was in basketball for those years, after the basketball games, and these were community games, so different teams from different schools around the community would play each other, and it was always Friday night, right? Games were at 7 o'clock. The fifth and sixth grade game were at 6, the seventh and eighth grade was at 7, and after that, everybody would go back to a place called Organ Piper. Now, an Organ Piper pizza... You would walk in and it would just be benches and chairs and tables set out in kind of like a open room. And behind that, there was this gigantic organ with all these different things that would happen, like different puppets and animals would come out of the organ and one guy would control everything. Now, they would call your name and you walk up and get your pizza. But then when you go up the stairs around the back, there was an arcade. And all us basketball players as 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders back in 95, no, 90, 92, 93, 94, 95, we would go up the stairs, and after we get done on the court, we'd go play NBA Jam. That's right. Boom shakalaka. He's on fire, bitch. NBA Jam was on my list, too. It was number nine. Um, If for no other reason, that was the first game that I remember – you could punch in your initials to create a code for yourself and you could go back and pick up where you left off on the arcade game as long as the owner of the place didn't reset the damn thing. And you, yeah, and being an Illinois guy and being a, a Bulls fan at the height of their power, there was no greater insult than having to play with Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen because <laughs> Michael Jordan didn't license his goddamn name. Even though with Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen, the game was still pretty damn broke. Like, they were unfair. We've been experiencing that for years. QB Eagles, QB Niners, et cetera, right. et cetera. They didn't, even, they didn't even have that. It was just uh, it was just Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. In later versions, he was a hidden character that you could unlock if you put in the right name and code. I do remember that. Along with that was the other thing that was an appeal of NBA Jam. It's putting in the right code and getting all kinds of different like Bill Clinton was a playable basketball yes. player in there somewhere. And there were um any any number of the programmers were in there. None of them were particularly Clinton could dunk from like one end of the court to the other. I remember that. Like he was so it was hilarious. It was way fun. And that would have been this would have been higher on my list, but I generally more remember playing it for the Super Nintendo. Right. Then I played it really in the arcades. So I wasn't, I didn't play much of it in the arcades. Then I did more, you know, on the console. So I, I, this is why it was only number nine on my list for here. Sega. <laughs> yeah. Super mm-hmm. Nintendo was where it's at. What do you got for three, DP? What I have for three is going to have to wait because I know it's higher on PC Tunney's list. <laughs> so I'm just going to skip it. All right. So my number three, I know was lower on somebody else's list. For me, it was Galaga. Is it higher up still? Yes, sir. Higher up still. All right. So I'm going to go to my number two, which is not a a traditional arcade game. It was a game that you played at the arcade, and that was Skee-Ball. Here's the thing, 
and this is why this is so high on the on this list for me. Chuck E. Cheese. No, no. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Every, every summer, my family goes to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, to stay for a week. And Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, the Hampton Beach State Park is a has a, a boardwalk, a pretty extensive boardwalk, and it has arcades there. And the little O'Dowd and I, every year, each take twenty bucks. And we play twenty dollars worth of skee ball at the arcade, and we pool our tickets. And a little O'Dowd gets all the prizes. Like there's never anything for me, which is fine. But ever since we've gone there, that is just part of what we do. It's part of that experience. And he loves skee ball. I love skee ball. We'll play it. We could play it all day if if he gave us the time to do it. And it's really one of those things that's that's kind of ours and is special to us. And is it's kind of silly, but it's it, it's just such a great a great time and trying to get new high scores and get as many tickets as possible so that you can get the coolest prizes that you can has has really morphed into something that's just expected when we make that trip out there. Uh, he did his birthday party this past year. It was at a Chuck E. Cheese. We spent most of our time playing skee ball for free just so that we could keep because we love the game and he keeps getting tickets and he, you know, loves to challenge me and see if he can get better scores. And so skee ball is arcade, in my opinion. Um, it's, you know, it is number two on my list, but that to me, that that is a trip to the arcade is hitting skee ball and playing. So that's my number two. I, I love skee ball. I suck at it, but it's still fun to play. So, you know. Yeah. I try to break the, I try to like break that like you know clear plastic the pl- screen. It's a lot easier to just throw them in there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fuck that. Can I just lob them right in there? No, that's not how the game's played. Whatever. <laughs> As a bowler, I'm offended by that. I'm a bowler. What about it? I know. So use some of the skills you've picked up at bowling. What's to, your high game for skee ball? No bowling. Or, oh, bowling. Uh, Two sixty four. I want to say is the best I've ever bowled. 289 let's move on i didn't realize we were competing i'm just saying <laughs> you neither did he that's, until just that's, now that's that's when i that's when i that's when i strike <laughs> put up ching all right so back to you dp what is your number two sir number two and there's nothing wrong with the whole nostalgia and that's why you put it up as your number two because my next one and two are the exact same reasons and number two for me is nfl blitz yep and the reason it's and not only was it just awesome and fun to play, but it was one of my one of my fondest memories is we never had until recently. We didn't have a Dave and Buster's or anything like that here in Wisconsin or Milwaukee. We would have to drive down to Illinois into Chicago to go to the one there. And so my brother would take me and him and his buddy would go down there regularly. So he would always take me along with him because he, you know, was a great brother apparently and didn't hate me. So it was great. And <laughs> I loved hanging around with him. So he let me go and uh, we would go down there and you'd get the, you know, the 20 spend $20 and you get the, you know, $10 in credits to play at the machine and you'd get your dinner or whatever. So you get your, you know, $5 steak for 10 bucks and then you'd get your $10 worth of credits to go play games. And that was the one I remember playing the most was the NFL blitz. We would sit there and, We'd pick whatever team. Usually it was the Packers, you know, because that's who we were and that's who our fans are. We're the we're Packer fans. And 
I remember sitting at that thing and at that point, I think it was like a dollar for a play. Basically you had to pay a dollar for like every quarter you wanted to play. And of course, because just like NBA jam, it was rigged to be competitive. The every time, right. When you get to that fourth quarter, so magically that, you know, they would come back and it would end up being a tie game, go to overtime and have to throw another dollar in there. I'd have to throw it and then go, and then it would end a tie again and throw another dollar, another dollar. And I remember sitting there with my brother going, I'm not quitting. I'm going to put this money in and I'm going to win this goddamn game no matter what. Um, and just the nostalgia of that and finally ended up winning the game, uh, you know, eventually. And it was just fun to have him there and, and have that joy. And that one is one of the games I remember playing with him all the time. And it was just it not only was it fun to play, but it was nostalgic because of the the time we spent together playing those types of games. And this was the biggest one. So as a Chicago bears fan who has to live in misery all the time, watching his team lose, there was no greater joy than late hitting Brett Favre every chance you could in fucking NFL woods, <laughs> just fucking wail him out because damn it. We hated losing to him. And at least if we're going to go down, I want to be able to cheap shot the crap out of him. So that's what you'd do. Cheap shot Brett Favre. That was I. I actually didn't really play NFL Blitz. It was kind of like Johnny Cage, like just cheap shot Brett Favre. I don't care if I lose. I just want to kill him. And they'd fly all over the screen. Like that was always the oh, best. Yeah. Like they just go flying all over the place. Loved that game. Good all right, sensing a little ton in it. Tony, you're number two. Number two for me. Uh, here you go, gentlemen. Eat your hearts out. When I was a sophomore, junior, and senior in high school, I worked at a driving range. This driving range, it also had a batting cage and it had an arcade. That was my summer job. And in that arcade, cruising USA. Cruising the world would come along later. But man, it was one of the, once the boss left, it was one of the first things we did. The money went down, and here we go. Who's got the top scores? You can pick from the different cars. Uh, I, I always picked the cop car because it had the top speed and it got going really quick. I wasn't worried about bumping or running over things or getting through shit. I knew the courses because we played it so much. Uh, but yeah, man, to see people come in and you could actually watch the, you know, amateurs drive around while I was working. And it was rather funny. It was one of those where you could actually, they had the stick shift. It had, you know, everything with, with it would make it so much fun is it was, it was kind of innovative in its time where it had more things that you could do and, yeah, it had the arcade style where, you know, you still had the timer, but it was like it was just so much faster than any other game I remember at the time. And again, being able to play with the wheel and having the pedals and being able to select all the different courses from California to all the way to D.C. It was just it was so fun. I remember the play control on that was dope, like the the just kind of the mechanics and feel of Cruising USA was really, really good. Uh, I also remember you could change the radio to what, like whatever music was playing in the car. You could change the radio to listen to like one of three or four different tunes of your liking uh, in Cruising USA. Uh, and I think they expanded that out in Cruising World in later iterations. And that game was very much a, a trendsetter for racing games in the future and so many variations. All right, Dave, and I think it's to you now, man, with your number two and your number one. Lay them on us. Yeah, my number two, Patrick, you'd mentioned it earlier, and I, I misheard you because, you know, I'm getting old and my hearing's going, that sort of thing. But uh, it's Dragon's Lair. And, I, I mean, 
I mean, I don't. It probably Dragon is, Slayer. No, not not Slayer the well, band. Here, the one eyed Dragon Slayer. The one eyed Dragon. In, Slayer. in defense of Dave, how big you, is this you, dragon? When you, when you type things on it, when you type things on a phone and then send it to Word documents and whatever, and autocorrect kicks in when you misspell Dragon Slayer, it then separates it out into two words called Dragon Slayer. Oh, that's what instead it was. of what I actually said. So. <laughs> I will say that you weren't entirely off there. Uh, but I mean, I'm just saying Dragon's Lair probably means something different for me than for you, because when it came out, like in my generation, we'd never seen anything like this game, a fully animated game. I think like a Disney artist actually did the animation. No. For... Go ahead. No, Don Bluth. Okay. Don Bluth is the artist behind that former Disney artist, but he did this right. after he left Disney. Right. I mean, and he's a Dirk the Dangerous, or what was this guy's? It's not Dirk Dare. Dirk, 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 Dirk the Daring. Dirk the Daring. Um, and uh, I can't remember the name of the princess that he's trying to rescue from the dragon. I don't either, but, but it, it just had all this full animation, and, and you really didn't do, like, you weren't controlling the action, per se, as, as much as you were just directing him. Here's the choice. It's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of situation. We're saying, well, here's but it what was I was tying. Yeah, right. It was, it was, and it, it was, um, but it was just something you'd, you'd never seen back in this time. I mean, you're talking about, this is the same area era where you've got graphics like space invaders and Pac-Man, and then they throw this shit at you, which was just mind melting. It was, it, I mean, just right. a fantastic game to, uh, to go through and to play through. And like you're saying, it had that element of the time going on, but just on the sheer basis of wow, we'd never seen anything like this before. It ranks super high on my list. That's why I got it number right. two. So, so here's the thing about this game: it's grossly unfair uh, in how difficult it is to get the timings. Like I would watch people play this game and die 30 seconds into starting it because you had to be so quick with the controls. This game was made possible because of the invention of LaserDisc. Uh, so all of the options and the results were based on you timing it correctly and then the LaserDisc playing the, the result at scene. It was all randomized, so you couldn't do it like in an order. Like There wasn't like a, a linear movie. You would have Dirk the Daring, and really the only thing that was linear was the opening sequence. Like Getting across the drawbridge was the only thing that was linear. Once you got into the castle, it would bring up different scenes and scenarios that you then had to respond to and time it just right. Whether it was hitting the action button in time, going left or right to get into the right tunnel or whatever. And you had to go through all these screens to get to the dragon sequence, which was even harder. Later on down the road, there's a drag. I think there's two Dragon's Lair games that were made. Space Ace which was also done by Don Bluth um, and takes place in the future. There was also one that was done um, in the name of the anime was something like Lupin or something sort of wolf based thing. I can't remember what it was. All of those games were so difficult, but you were playing a cartoon. So you didn't care. You were like, I'm playing a cartoon. How great is this? Yeah. Um, But yes, Don Bluth, it was Don Bluth animation. Um, distinctly again he has a very distinctive style you can tell you play that then go watch american tale um and again playstation network my playstation 3 i downloaded dragon slayer 1 and 2 dragon's lair 1 and 2 and play the home versions every now and again on my playstation 3 it's i mean there's very few games that even today have really replicated that 
kind of, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of the later stuff that's cell shaded and that sort of thing kind of is in that same vein, but nothing like that. Um, What could top that? My number one arcade game of all time is Star Wars. And I knew that was going to be your number one. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing, though. All I got to say to people who've never played this game, because it is hard as hell to find nowadays. And I mean, the closest you can come is some of the Rogue Squadron games, like on the old GameCubes and that sort of thing. But doing the Death Star Trench Run in a fully, like, it's a cabinet with it's over your head, and you're actually flying the X-Wing, and you feel like you're flying it near the end of this thing. You can hear Han Solo say, Yahoo, you're all clear, kid. You know, I mean, you've got that stuff going on. Um, there were other, uh, it's similar to Tron in that it wasn't just that there were other games, but no one gave a shit about the other parts of it. Um, but that trench run on the Death Star, nothing in the arcades has ever kind of resonated like that with me where it really immersed you into something before video game immersion was a big thing. This is like, you know, mid eighties, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So for people like me growing up in the, in the heyday of star Wars with the original trilogy and this game was coming out. Man, that Death Star run just threw it over the top for me. It's number one in my book. That was one of those where the graphics were like the lines, though. Like, like it was very much like right. just sort of black background with like the white lines. Like Battle Zone kind of was. It was very Battle right. Zone-ish. Yeah, like. But again, and that was one that had like a cockpit, right? Yes. Did you sit in a cockpit and yeah. like play in the cockpit? So yeah, it, it, was... it gave that level of immersion that games didn't really give you back then. I mean, you would see that later right. on. But that was like, you know, one of the forebearers for all that sort of stuff that was happening. So that game, it, it combined that with the Star Wars. I give you gra- graphically nowhere near Dragon's Lair, but from a gameplay mechanic and just that level of immersion that you didn't get back then, that game is number one for me. All right, Tony, you're number one, sir. Yeah, no surprise. Oh, here it is. Here it is. It's right here. I got I got the button from my favorite machine. Um it's golden tea. It's been around for a long time. It's it's a little bit different. It's golf. It's but the community that it creates. I've played it forever in the bars and uh, with my friends in the bars and played for shots and drinks and had a good time with it. DP is a guy who was always trying to get better whenever we go out and play the game too. He enjoys it as well. I'm sure that's why it's made his list. He always wants to try and get better, but. I actually, this is actually a game I recently started playing, if you want to say professionally or whatever for money or like nationally ranking kind of thing. And, and actually it was, was privileged enough to meet somebody that is in the top 150 in the world in Golden Tee at one of my local establishments that showed me a few things. So it's always kind of cool to be able to, uh, you know, in the nerd culture, know somebody that's nationally recognized as one of the best in the globe and teach you a few things. So before the whole pandemic, I had recently gotten my world ranking up to the low 1600s, which is pretty solid. So I can't wait to be able to go back out and do it. Uh, in the meantime, I am playing the Golden Tea app on my phone, the video game version on my phone. And it's pretty damn cool. And it's free. And if you're bored, check it out. So I love Golden Tea, guys. I, I could one never, the, could never have guessed. <laughs> never heard you talk three. about it on the show. Never. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my favorite moments playing that game and not moments i guess but we used to i think it was the golden t 2k um when we used to go out to lunch at where i currently work and worked at the same place back then we used to i think it was i don't know one day a week it was every thursday i think we would go to this basically it was like a hot dog place 
uh, out in Mequon near our near our facility, and they had a golden tea machine there, so it was perfect. We'd go there and get like a, it was like I think Thursdays were like two dollar hot dogs or something, so we grab two hot dogs. And while we waited for our food or ate, we'd spend the rest of the time playing golden tea that they had there, and, and that was always fun to just take you know take some time away from work for an hour, get out for lunch, and go play a machine and. Two of our guys from work, uh, one of them is Randy that uh, PC Tunney knows from softball and and Doug. We used to go there and we'd play and have a competition. And sometimes we'd do it where, you know, the loser would pay for lunch or whatever for the next week. And we'd keep track of our scores and try and one-up each other every week. So it was always fun to play. And currently when we, we frequent establishments with PC Tunney, we, you know, he likes to teach me a few things and I'd try to learn and, and get better and better. I'm not, I'm not the greatest, but I'm average, I would say. And PC Tunney is always willing to help and show ways to, you know, get yourself better. And it, it makes it a lot more fun and we have a good time playing together. All right. So I, it's your number roll, one, man. Yeah, I'll roll right into my number one. And we, uh, we talked a little bit earlier before we started our list about different places we would go. And one of mine was the pizza hut near our house that we would go to. And our favorite game to play when I would go there and it was there most of the time was Galaga. And that's my number one. Uh, we would, you know, as my dad would call and place the order, my brother and I would be running over there to put our quarters into the cocktail style machine. And now Galaga you're talking was, about the old, you're talking about the old P it's not there anymore. You're talking about the old pizza hut on off of, uh, on Loomis off of Howard. On Loomis. Yeah. On Loomis just off of, uh, yeah, it's not it's not there anymore. Did it did it change now? It's a, just a dry cleaner now. Is okay. The, yeah, there used to be a one hour. There was a one hour martinizing right over there too. Yeah, that's that's it, man. Sorry, yeah. I, I love your, sure. I love your guys' stories about your neighborhood that Patrick and I can't relate to at all. It's fantastic. Yeah, like we're just like okay, sure. Like so <laughs> somebody. I'm like you. You were there, right, Patrick? You went to that place. Sure, I was there. Not too. a clue. You're. DP, you remember the lady that used to live behind that uh, in that old house, right? With that dog. And this is why and the, the show is coming up on yeah, two and a half Rodriguez hours is. right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway, tell us a little but, bit more about Gagula. 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 That's the new version. Gagula. That was the game they used to play on Playboy After Dark. That's the yeah, sequel to One-Eyed Monster. Horse. The sequel to One-Eyed Monster is. and Quarter Horse. Gagula. <laughs> Gagula. Oh. That's the name so, of this podcast. Galaga. Uh, <laughs> no. So Galaga. Oh yeah. Um, Galaga. Galaga was number three on my list. Uh, he clearly, you know, took everything that Space Invaders did and blew it up, dialed it up uh, a notch. Loved that game. Play like play it on one corner to at least twenty five screens before it's time for for me to to die. Usually, and you know, and I know there are a lot of people who are better. Everybody does the same thing. Let's the alien take your ship so that you can then get the ship back and get Gotta double ships. Double. Hell yeah. Um, otherwise you couldn't get through the challenge stages. If you wanted to get the perfect on the challenge stages, you needed those double guns. Damn straight. You did. And if you were good enough, you just got your extra man back anyway. So a lot, a lot of fun. It's predecessor Galaxian wasn't bad either. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was, it was good as well. First time where the aliens not, you know, they moved in a different way, like came after your ship. You had to dodge. They fired things at you much more intuitively, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, love, love that game. Spent a lot of money, a lot of time. It was my, like I said, it was my number three. Um, So that's, it's to my number one, huh? You are the final, the finale here, Patrick. 
Yes. So two and a half hours later, um, here we are at my not number even. one. Not even. Not, not even. quite. We are. We are. I'm going away from the video screen, so to speak, and picking a pinball game. Uh, about a month. It's been well, two months now. Two months ago, I was in Vegas visiting um, Greg DeMarco, and we went to the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas. And at the Pinball Hall of Fame, I dropped in $20 and got a fistful of quarters. And I played one game for most of the time that I was there. And that was the Adams Family Pinball Machine. When going back to my dorm, I talked about wasting rolls of quarters uh, on video games. It was the Adams Family Pinball Machine. I played that game like it was my job. It came out in conjunction with the movie and Angelica Houston and Raul Julia loaned their voice talents to do voiceover bits for the game itself. There was an animatronic hand for Thing that would take one of the balls and save it from multiball, would pick it up with a magnet. You would have to shoot into you would have to shoot pinballs into this vault to open up multiball and then Gomez would just go crazy screaming multiball while the whole screen was blown up. Loved that game, played it for hours on end, and at the Pinball Hall of Fame, basically wasted all my money on that one. And and Greg can attest to this. Greg was playing his own waste of time pinball machine that he used to play all the time as a kid. I wish I owned one of those games. I wish I had it in my garage. I would play it nonstop. I would drive Mrs. O'Dowd nuts. It's never something I'm ever going to get. But for me, there is no beginning or, or there there is no beginning or end without Adam's Family Pinball because it is the beginning of where I would start my day at an arcade and it's the last game I would play on my way out. Period. End of conversation. You raise a story about having a pinball machine in your house. We had one called, this thing was called Supernova, man. This thing was fantastic, man. It, it just like, it's one of those, it, like if you're playing pinball, you know how you kind of trap the ball and you learn how to do that to aim right. your shot, that sort of thing. And this game that had the, the big jackpot was right in the middle. So you would just learn to have this shot in the middle. That one in uh, Black Knight were the pinball machines that I really remember from when I was a kid. Ma- mastering the ramps, making sure you yes. hit the right ramps in the right way. At the All right time. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right? Exactly. So loved it. Pinball could probably do a whole show on pinball machines. That's how much I love pinball. You've legitimately inspired me. And I think one of the only things that DP and I can do recreationally is possibly get together. Uh, I think maybe a trip to the Thunderdome is on its way and I will periscope uh, DP and I live going through some of these games on his gargantuan because Lord knows a large majority of them are right there. What is this? And, and a large it? collection Wait. of pinball games. What is this system called? What is this thing? It's a Gargantia game. I sent the. Uh, if you look at the DMs, there's a picture of it. It's basically uh, like a stand-up machine, like you would at the arcades, but it's portable. So it's just it's, I put it on casters, basically, and it's just it's built. It's a PC that's inside of it's it. A it's like, a cabinet. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an emulator. It's got buttons and joysticks on it. Yeah, yeah, I saw the and, picture. It's an emulator. Hooks it up right? to the forty-four inch. Yeah, hooks it up to whatever forty-four inch TV, and boom, you got the cabinet in front of you, and you're playing whatever games. I gotta yep, look. I gotta a, look at your setup thing. I gotta look at your tweet. Then I gotta yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's well, it's in the thread. It's in the DMs uh, for the bandwagoners thread. So, but uh, God, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the next 
five weeks, guys, as we talk about all these games. Hopefully, we'll streamline these lists. I do think I want to I want to run this by you all because I think one of the interesting challenges with the top fifty is. We're going to have overlap, but they're going to be in different places. And if we're doing this 10 by 10s, are we going to stop somebody from having a conversation about a game that says in my bottom 10, say my 40 through 50, whereas it may be on Tunney's 20 through 11? And I, that sort of thing. Do we, give, would, do we I, give it the time? I, I, I would say to suspend I say we, that. Yeah, say, keep, the, uh, keep the format. Leaves more time for shenanigans. You know, we all love the shenanigans. (laughs) There we go. So, but that'll do it for our top 10 arcade games list. Feel free when we we don't, we actually can't put up a poll because we have too many options uh, this time around. So we can't actually do a definitive winner. So we'll either do two polls or we'll just, you know, maybe just do a run. You can do four. Eh. We could do four, but I'd want to keep Kenny's in there as well. Oh, he he did present a list as well. Yeah, um, I think we may just do an homage and just put put up a see if we can find gifts or screenshots of each of our games. Post those in the in the Twitter, uh, share them out, and you know invite you loyal listener. Put up your favorite games too. This is I I don't know. I I've had a great job. I've had a great time with the last couple of nostalgia shows we've done. I don't know about you guys with the Saturday morning shows. Now we're talking video games. A lot of fun, uh, and I look forward to talking consoles, where we will educate Dave on the real console war. Oh, uh, good luck with that! I know you're old and set in your ways. It's cute. <laughs> That's um, why you guys think that the older console war is the more important one. But we can debate. It was the more important. We'll one. debate okay. this next time. The truculence Dave. between you two is the backbone of this show. Heck yes, it is. <laughs> All right, so that's hey, going like to do Muhammad it for this Ali week's said, edition of Band Word Words. Like Muhammad Ali said, I don't know what truculent it is. Truculent means, but if it's great, then I'm it. And on and that, that was note, Muhammad Ali. Right. Thank you, Mr. Cassell. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we go, again, another big thank you to Kenny Killa. Uh, always great to have somebody new on the show and somebody from across the pond um, to give us a new perspective, some good stuff that I'd never really known or thought about before. Before we head out, let's say our goodbyes, tell people where to find us. Uh, why don't you kick us off today, Tony? Uh, you can find me at PC Tony. I'm also on at pod underscore is underscore war with Andrew Belaz and Christopher Platt. In addition, podcast DWI with my man man over there, DPP, and the one and only phenomenally funky fresh AJ Belaz. You can find him at phenomenal AJ Belaz, I believe, and Kenny Killa at Kenny Killa with the dadcast DP. You can find me all over the social interwebs at It's Me DPP. The aforementioned DWI podcast is at facebook.com slash DWI podcast as well for your Facebook uh, friends and followers up there. And that's where I'm at. And a good possibility, Dave, that we may have another, you know, co-attitude egg DWI podcast reviewing yep. both nights of WrestleMania. That's right. Yeah. You can find me at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, or on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. All right. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. What's your you can follower listen to account? Me here. What's your follower account? Uh, it's actually, unfortunately, I gained a follower and that actually brought me up from my 460 to 461. Woo-hoo! I am trending down, folks. Trending down. Need some followers. Damn bots are dropping me like flies. <laughs> Slow march to 500. 
Slow March to 500. You can listen to me on this show, Bandwagon Nerds, which drops every Tuesday, usually around noon. Uh, you can also listen to me on Chairshot Radio. Both of those can be found on the Chairshot.com as well as eWrestlingNews.com. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much, folks, for listening to this oversized edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now, you basement dwellers, climb out of the basement, fire up your console, and play some video games. Stay healthy, stay safe. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. <laughs>